Christopher Daniels. And this is Frankie Kazarian. Uh, we've been called pillars of society, inspiration to children everywhere, and men with rears that make chicks cheer. But we're also comic book enthusiasts, professional wrestlers, and our wrestling has been known to form certain sicknesses and illnesses like scurvy and rickets. But that's not what you need to know now. What you need to know now is that you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Ooh. It is the season, right? Everybody's gonna eat some turkey and go to sleep. El Tryptophan, baby. That is a classic song. I don't care how you feel about him. The, the Thanksgiving song is a friggin' classic. No? Damn, tell him. The Thanksgiving song? Saturday Night Live Thanksgiving song. With, with my man. The, the, the weekend update no, the don't don't oh. don't fucking tell me Homer Donald. Oh Adam Sandler. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh. Thanksgiving song. That is like the classic. Dude, we're listening to the Christmas tunes today. Sounds like I'm listening to a Hanukkah song. <laughs> there are people too. That's what I said. I'm like, well, I'm like, imagine being Jewish and then ninety-eight percent of the songs you're hearing on the station are you're like, why well, am I listening to these fool station songs? Oh, look at you giving the boy a well balanced album. I no, be, and then he was really baffled when he found out he was out of Sandler's in the song. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was one of the uh, crazy yeah. nights? Okay. It was the song. We, um, uh, I wonder if he'll ever make a third one. But the, um, I had the, uh, the playlist, the holiday playlist happen in my ears while we were shoveling tonight. Nice. So I already started. We didn't shovel yet. I wanted to at least get, get cause it, it, it was dying down, and I, I mean, it's snowing again now, but I didn't want to be freaking the plows love blocking us in at the end of the driveway. So I wanted to at least put a dent in it so that if I have to do anything tomorrow, I'm, we're not leaving the house tomorrow, but if I got to do anything, it'll just be like maintenance. Oh, it's like uh, Michael Rappaport and Beautiful Girls. I never saw that. No, wait. You never saw Beautiful Girls? Wait, is that what, know what that is? That's With not... Natalie Portman? No. The young Ingenue, Timothy right. Hutton? No. Oh, it's a great film, a great movie. That's one I love that. Love that film. Okay. Yeah, it's great. It's like uh, <clears throat> Timothy Hutton is uh, is is uh, a pianist in New York, but he comes back to his hometown where he grew up, and it's uh, you know he hasn't seen people, and it's just a little little uh, slice of life movie about the week that he's back in town, and uh, Michael Rappaport's in it, and. Um, Natalie Portman is a is it's right after she did the professional. She, she mm. Oh, so she's mad young. Okay, she's mad, mad young in it, but she's like an ingenue. She's his next door neighbor, and she's quite captivating, even though she's a a, a, a teen. Yeah, it's great. She was she was quite captivating in the professional. Indeed. Too. Oh, fuck yeah. yes, mm-hmm. yeah. But but the Michael Rappaport is a couple of the guys have a snowplow business, and his girlfriend leaves him, and so in a fit of jealous rage, he. Every every day he he plows her driveway with all the snow and like blocks her in. So, That's awesome. Yeah. And we have a wonderful rapport with our viewers, listeners. Fuck, That's what the beer does. Because this is Eleven O'clock Comics, episode three hundred and forty-four. Nice. And I, I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Woot woot. You are David A. Price, and coming at you from the grave, I'm Casey Kasem. 
<laughs> Love it. Reaching they don't the even stars. know why you said yeah. that. We know. We know. We You're not Casey Kasem. You're not. But he was wonderful. You uh, as well. You are Jason Wood, everybody, in the house for this Thanksgiving episode. Yep. We'll be talking about turkey and more turkey, and that's it. No comments this week. Yeah, just now. A whole lot of shit we're thankful for. That's about it. Yeah, we we could keep it to turkeys. We could talk about Flash and oh oh yeah. see Vince is trying to make <laughs> the funnies because he's not watching it so that's that <laughs> and he never that's will that's people attempted humor that's good though <laughs> if there's one way my salt peter during the day is when these two uh jokers start talking up flash on the on the Facebook. yeah because that's what i just go you away from chatting with us during right the day. exactly i yep. just go away <laughs> You guys have your fun. I'll be back when you're done. Uh, okay. You're right. Okay. Yeah, right. I, I, right. please. I talk the most. You are MIA, dude. No, oh, man. Right. I talk the most. Oh, to yourself, maybe. To, to your crunch. You need all your other friends, that's all your true. other people. I have no other friends. Well, that's well, true. That's probably I, true, but. <laughs> <laughs> you ignore them on Facebook then? I, yeah, I do. And one friend you guys should never ignore is Discount Comic Book what, Service. What? They are a friend in need, let me tell you. DCBService.com. You can get your books dirt cheap, far cheaper than you can get them other places. It's the limbo time. How low can you go? Because we are between specials. They uh, they locked up the list, um, but they don't mind late orders or order additions. You could probably still order stuff if you're a first-time orderer, I guess. But um, we don't know what the massive discounts are going to be until um, – they, the decision has been made, but rest assured, you can get massive books for a little bit of money. The discounts will be both numerous and plentiful. I always say that because it's true. I'm all about the truth. DCBService.com and you can get your previews super cheap. Super cheap. Like a buck. That's insane. It's mad insane. And we have an, we have another wonderful sponsor, um, the Valiant. Valiant books. Yes, sir. They are, they are doing great things over at Valiant. I'm so excited. I have taken it upon myself to order each and every bundle of Valiant books from DCBService.com. What they do is every month they'll just scoop up the Valiant books, not the plus issues, Cam, but, uh, they, they scoop, they scoop up the value, the Valiant books and you can get them for sometimes 50% off. It's awesome. And you better keep an eye out for one Valiant book in particular. It's called The Valiant. Mm. It's a very, very appropriate name. Uh, by Jeff Lemire, Matt Kent, and Paulo Rivera. It's going to be big. It's going to be huge. It's a prestige format book for only $3.99. And it's a miniseries. So you you don't have to uh, invest in you know mega multiple issues. It's not a big event. It's a one-time miniseries that's going to get you up to speed in the Valiant Universe. Why? Because it has Bloodshot, Geomancer, Eternal Warrior. All the big players in the Valiant Universe are going to show up in this thing. The art is phenomenal. It's amazing. You guys agree with me on this? Oh, hell yeah. Unbelievable. It's a classic in the making, and I'm not ashamed to say that. Some of the spreads that I've seen, they look like a classic book. It could, it could be top of the, the, the heap in any era. It's just great stuff. Valiant also has something called the Valiant First Look. It's a bird's eye view into the forthcoming Valiant Next Initiative. What the fine folks at Valiant are trying to do is keep everything fresh and new and exciting. 
And they're instigating these new ongoings and new miniseries to do just that. Inside this book, you will see preview pages from Ivar, Timewalker, Divinity, Imperium, Ninjak, and Bloodshot Reborn. You got names like Jeff Lemire, Matt Kent, Clay Mann, Doug Braithwaite, Joshua Dysart, Trevor Harrison, Fred Van Lenty. Oh my God, Clayton Henry. This is like, these are big, big names. They do great work and they're all at Valiant. This universe is exploding and you got to get in on it. You can get this uh, Valiant first look at Comixology and Comics Plus, Madefire and DriveThroughComics.com. And keep an eye out for the Valiant number one. Ask your comic shop owner or go to DCB service and tell them you want this because it's going to be amazing. Indeed. Cannot wait. I'm I'm excited for Valiant. I really am. That's right, sir. I'm reading everything. That's crazy. You are crazy. Except when uh, I mentioned something that I just read, and you're like, what's that? And I have to tell you. No, but see, I didn't under- Yeah, you used the acronym. Because it's in the title. I know, but if you said Quantum and Woody, I'd be like, okay. Because yeah, I'm reading all the Quantum and Woody stuff. I just didn't call it Q2. I'm just going by the title, bro. I know, I know. All right. But uh, I am behind on the regular Quantum and Woody, but I had to read this. Actually... Before we get into anything, um, huge shout out to Devin. Dr. Teeth has returned to the forum because he wanted to basically kick off the 2014 gift exchange thread. So yes. it is that time of the year. Um, you want to join in, get on the forum, find a thread. It's right there on the main page. If you're not on the forum yet... Easy enough to sign in. There's really just one security question. You really can't screw that up. Uh, and uh, and let him know where you are from, where you are willing to send stuff to. And uh, it's been going on for a few years now. Devin is awesome at setting this up and, and making sure it um, it goes as smooth as possible. And uh, I'm so happy that it's back. Uh, so, yeah, that is – I definitely – I wrote that down. had to get that out there quick and uh before i keep drinking and forget so that's my main contribution tonight but no just set up set yourself up with the gift exchange thread and uh get cracking the generosity of our forum members seems to multiply with each passing year it's insane um i try and outdo what I've done the year before by loading up whoever I get with even more books than I sent out last year. And I just seem to, it, it never fails. I'll get a box and there's just tons of stuff. And it's like, why would you give someone all this great stuff? But they do. And it's just an amazing thing. It's, it's like, I look forward to that, the gift exchange more than I do presents from my, uh, my fam because they don't get me good stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ever. I get clothes and socks and, and underwears. I, I don't get the comics. So it's the gift exchange that really, you know, is the season for me anyway. Yes, sir. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some comics. I hope so. Yes. But, but first, we need to talk about what you drinking. All right. Well, I'm not going to let you down again this nice. week. I, 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 this come is awesome, on. I, I can't let, but right. Uh, I'm, I'm drinking reluctantly because it's the only beer I have. I'm drinking Yingling. Hmm. I love Yingling, but... I need to branch out right, a little right, bit. Right. You know, it's it's fine. It 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 soothes what ails me, but I I need some some something darker and and hoppier. Okay. And I will get that for next week. Well, I got the darker in the next room. I don't know about hoppier. Oh yeah. 
She bounces a lot on me. So that's all I know. That's true. She bounces on mm. off you. Uh huh. Yeah, I put her back on when she slides off. Damn, son. Not so much sliding off is just kind of just. <laughs> yeah, There's nothing to hold on. <laughs> it's like a thumb. It really is. <laughs> you were like, you I'm like, like baby, I'm gonna give you six inches, so you banged her three times. <laughs> I did three, four, four. Come on, that's, that's the whole point. <laughs> I got that Sicilian Vienna sausage <laughs> up in there. <laughs> Clearly, this isn't a kids-friendly episode, even though it is a holiday. No, oh, damn. yeah. But they don't know it was euphemisms. True. Yeah. Speaking of euphemisms, what you for drinking, Dap? Uh, well, because um, she helped me out tonight, uh, <laughs> shoveling. I, uh, I I grabbed myself another bottle of um, the newly named Renee Wine Menage a Trois Midnight. Yes, nice Nubian chocolate, sexy. <laughs> Tell me when you're done. Right? Oh, no. <laughs> so we can talk about Beth and he'll shut it all down. Oh, yeah, no. I can't have that. I can't have that. I got no. my other headset on. Dude, your wife has an awesome ass. I can't have that. Stop. <laughs> quit, quit. Anyway, I'm switching it all up tonight. She does, ladies and gentlemen, but go ahead. Switching it all up tonight. <laughs> That's one of the things I'm thankful for on this Thanksgiving day. There we go. Uh, so firm. <laughs> we had a black, we had a blackout due to the snow. So oh, we, uh, we popped in, uh, big on the DVD, uh, on the laptop. Ooh. So the kids could watch big. And, uh, and I said, uh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to make us some, I'm going to make us some drinks, some cocktails since we got some time. See what we can whip up. So I'd made two cocktails tonight for the first time. Never made either of them before. And hmm. I have, uh, I have, I have one of each sitting here, half drank. And, uh, the first one is a boxcar. Ooh. Yes. All growns up. All growns up. For those that don't know, and don't feel bad because I didn't know this until tonight, a boxcar is gin, triple sec, limes, grenadine, and here's where it gets crazy, an egg white. Ooh, that sounds actually good. I like the sound of mm-hmm. that. And then you put a little little sugar. It's served in a martini glass, put a little sugar on the edge. It's delicious. It is mm-hmm. really delicious. Um, so I I highly recommend that one. The other one I have here is called an Abbey Martini, and it is also gin. You see a uh, you can see a uh, a theme here. I had a bottle of gin open. Yeah. Uh, gin, uh, Martini and Rossi, uh, orange juice and bitters. I would probably like that more. This is okay, but it's a little medicinal for me. Mm. Mm, I like the medicinal. It's a little here. bit, uh, it, it tastes a little bit like I would imagine in the thirties they served that, the, uh, a doctor gave this to someone when they had the vapors or something. Nah. <laughs> the scurvy. Yeah. <laughs> I would give it would work on scurvy, dude. It sure was. Half thumbs up. Something I could see drinking if we were, uh, you know, just gotten back from Marshalls and we were sitting in a speakeasy in the third coaster. <laughs> but the the boxcar is tasty, man. And you get a little protein from the from the egg white to boot, so Yeah, you do. Yeah, so there you go. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Ah. So now we move on to comics, yes? We do, and we're gonna be sprinkling in tonight because it is by the time you're all listening to this, it's either Thanksgiving, in which case happy Thanksgiving to to you listeners. Or it's shortly after Thanksgiving, but it's during your Thanksgiving break. Or in fact, you may, many of you may be listening to this as you race across your surrounding areas for Black Friday sales. 
But in any event, we are going to be, we and, and many of our listeners and artist friends are going to share with you things that they are thankful for. Wow. You solicited this on the Twitters? I solicited this on the Twitters. You're amazing. So, you really are. So I will be, I'll be peppering them in as we go along. Well, I think we should cook up an extra long episode. Then. I think we should too. Yes. We do have um, a couple of things we have in common this week that we've read anyway. I think we have a lot in common this week. Yeah. yeah so. um, can we start it off with Copperhead? Well, I don't see why not. Cool. I really want to talk about this. I'm late to the game. <laughs> I am a little late. You guys read, I think, one and two way before me. Well, and it's one I, really and then two. I mean, we talked about one in detail. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I read one to three today. Mm-hmm. Good. Nice. I think it's spectacular. I would agree. Yep. I think it's one of the better new image series to come along. And that's that image comics. Yeah. It was written by Jay Farber, illustrated by Scott Godlewski. Uh, Ron Riley provided the color art and Thomas Marr did the letters. And, uh, like I said, one of the better new image series, but that's not to, um, that's not a statement on the, on anything other than this. I mean, a lot of great. What you're saying is it's high, high praise. It's very high praise, but this is, this is exceptional, I think, because, um, it, it's a sci-fi book. Um, I don't think we need to recap it completely because you already did a great job of that, but, um, you get a woman with a somewhat shady past. There was an event that, that happened, a significant event in this woman's life that uh, cast a damper on uh, or a shadow on things and she re- somewhat reluctantly takes a job as a sheriff in this this planet uh named Jasper and the, it's a mining town called Copperhead and uh, she's got a young son in tow uh, uh it gets uh strenuous right from the 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 transport ride there because she's she gets accosted by some some douchebag on on the transport and she basically shows that she can handle herself. She's a very very uh capable woman. Uh I guess you'd have to be to be a uh, in the position of a sheriff, especially in a in a a wild town like like Copperhead because it's like a, it's a mining town and it's populated by all sorts of different creatures, some of which um it's there's allusions to a war that happened uh in the not too distant past where uh mankind cooked up artificial humans to to help in the in the war effort and these things are bred specifically to do one thing and that's kill uh so after the war ended they they feel these artificial humans which are called arties they feel some kind of some disenfranchisement because they're no longer needed for their their um, original task and now they're just they're ostracized uh the, she, you even see it on a bunch of pages where, uh, whenever there's an artificial human in the scene, they, they treat this person very differently than they do something with one eye and four arms. You know, even aliens get better treatment than, than this, these, uh, these beings. So, um, the, uh, it hits the ground running, doesn't it? Um, she gets the copperhead and as soon as she gets there, there's a domestic dispute over at the, uh, the uh what was the name of the uh the aliens they're they're albanians but uh sewell their their name is yes. uh, the sewell family mm-hmm. 
and and the 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 father's fighting with the kids and the, and the wife who's the the main ass, ass kisser in the family she goes toe to toe with the sheriff and she drags her in meanwhile something goes down and the the, the uh, 90% of the family gets murdered there's one survivor uh this is after the fact and uh, a, a religious artifact was stolen from the residence um a big pink crystal yeah, we don't know the significance of this thing. We just know that it's it it it's involved in some kind of religious. Oh, it's pretty much it it means something to the family. It's it's right. somewhat it's, worthless. There's no there's no value right. to it, but it it is um somewhat representative to to the family and it it the way I I see it is um it's reminiscent of of the war you referenced before. Right. And um there's a little bit of uh well, there's a lot of strained relationship between Clara, that's the new sheriff, and her deputy. Boo! Who was do, who was do, well, his, his name boo. is, his name is Boo Droxafinicus, yes. but they, they call him Boo for short. Not they. Yeah, they do. The son, the son said, can I call you? He said, I'd rather you didn't. The sheriff mom is <laughs> like, yeah, go for it. And that's how right. it's done. But I think we should be really careful um, in saying boo because no one listening will know who we're talking about. Maybe they'll think of you or Jason, you know, because you're the boos, right? They definitely won't so, think of so, you. Yeah, exactly, right? They'll know for sure it's not me because I'm They just no have to know, you know, the people who actually communicate on Facebook. Right. But uh, so Boudroxafinicus, um, I guess he was uh, – he was on uh, – thank you. He was on the opposing forces supposedly – his people in the war. So there's more strained relationship between Clara and, and her deputy. And, uh, he was assuming all the duties while right. they didn't have a sheriff. So when she comes, she's like, you know, you got to defer to me, my man. And, and Boo is awesome. He reminds me a lot of Dalgota. Oh yes. Perfect. He's, he's this huge hulking canine looking wolf kind of creature, but not specifically canine or wolf. He just has some kind of distinguishing feature. He's hairy and 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 cute, and he's got. Uh, he looks like Dalgoda. He to looks me. like but a I'll, dog lad. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a good call. And he's he's you you characterized. He's the he's the guy that, by all accounts, as far as we know, was was holding down the fort, yeah. and he's he's committed to this land as 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 desolate and listless as it may be, and he feels understandably jilted that he got passed over for the job for this outsider who clearly has uh, a past and is running away from her past. So Yeah, and she doesn't make the transition. No, she's either. not exactly welcome. I mean, she's no. not exactly deferential or like, yeah, thanks for holding it down. Sorry this went down that way. She's kind of like, all right, I'm the boss, bitch. Yeah, well, first she busts his balls because he spelled sheriff wrong. And he's like, no, that's all right. I just did the job while you weren't here, but you're going to get on me for not putting another F in sheriff. Yeah, but it's it's fun. There's some really nice uh, one-liners in it that that illustrate the the personalities of these characters really well. I mean, she's got something to prove. He doesn't. He's been doing the job. And, and Jay does an amazing job with it because he could he could have either character be a complete turnoff, but we're we're being introduced to this world. Through the sheriff's eyes, through her son's eyes. So, I mean, we're all new to it at the same time. And Boo kind of lets us know, the reader and the sheriff, uh, how things go down, what's up with what. Um, and he's just, he's, he's somewhat matter of fact about it. And, and it just, it works. It's, it's a good 
I don't say it's a good relationship, but I think the way they play off each other doesn't, um, it definitely doesn't hurt the story and it doesn't make you, um, well, it doesn't make me grimace as I'm reading it because I just, I, it feels forced or faked or anything. It's just, it, it's, right. it's somewhat natural. Um, the, the, the third issue blew me away because I mean, how we were introduced to the doctor. It's just the way things are, are played out in this series is just, um, there's no real build up or setup. It's just when it happens, it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. very reminiscent to, you know, just your day to day life. True. Uh, did you notice, um, that the colorist, Ron Riley uses the same uh, brown for Clara's hair as he does for Boo's fur. It's the same color yeah. brown. Nice. So I don't know if that's significant, but it is to me. Hmm. So I'm I'm hoping I I can see these two characters do like a moonlighting no, thing. Don't say that. No, no, I'm th- yeah, I'm thinking no. it. No, why not? No, because first of all, when when that happened between Dave and Manny, that was that that was horrible. That was that it was, was the end. That ended it. of the shark. Yeah, that was it. Um, I mean, that serves as the poster boy for any time a TV oh, show jumps the shark because of a relationship. Well, they don't have to. I mean, they could do. They could drag it to the There's last no, issue. This is not going to be. A, they're not going to drive off into the sunset. No, it's. Oh, I, I don't. I, yeah, there's that. There's that tension, I guess, if you want it to be there, if you want to look for it later on down the line, but it, it's, it doesn't serve either of them to, to go down that route. She's going to be giving the dog a bone, really. Nah. Just watch. But anyway, um, so Zach, being a kid, is kind of, um, a tad bit rebellious and he's very, very, um, precocious and he wants to do what a kid does and she's telling him, please just stay here. Don't go out. Make yourself happy. Just, you know, don't leave the premises. But he does. He, uh, he make, makes a new friend and Annie, whose dog got away and they go out into, for what we're told is a pretty nasty place, appropriately named the Badlands, mm-hmm. to, to find the dog and they run into, uh, a, uh, an arty named Ishmael. And J- Jason was probably very pleased. You know at, this. At, at that name. <laughs> Um, and he's all, I mean, this, we're, we're talking rogue trooper. Ask my man he's, Ishmael Damadi got props like a cop. He's got the war gear on and he's beating off these friggin', um, bug creatures. I mean, he's a, he's a warrior. Uh, and I'm not going to say too much more about it because there's something really cool in the, in the third issue that happens that would be a, a major spoiler if I went into it any farther, but, I, I, there's some there's something compelling about this story. I think it's the natural, like David said, it's just the natural way the story's playing out. There, there's nothing contrived. We haven't um, encountered those sci-fi cliches. Uh, even the 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 owner of the mine pops up, and if you're the owner of a mine in a mining town, you're the biggest dick in the town. You employ all the people. Uh, Giving them the black you know, lung. You're the very reason for the town's existence. Mm-hmm. I mean, for for a group of people to settle around a mine, that's pretty significant. But it's hard living. It is. So they hate you. And and he tries to to piss in the corner, and she's just not having it. She's like, "Yeah, you know, whatever. You you you're you're a big important man. Just get out of my face and let me do my job." So we we can expect some kind of conflict between the 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 mine owner and and Claire. It, but it just it just plays out so smoothly and just I, I'm not looking for um, future plot threads or or hidden meanings or or um, David 
or um, like some kind of uh, subtext. It's all fun. Not well, not not all fun, but it, I mean, experiencing this story has been a, a joy so far. Mm. I like I like it a lot. It's really nice to have Faraber back doing comics, right? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, he uh, he's doing a great job, very successful from what I understand, writing TV shows. So, props to him for that because I'm sure it pays bills a lot better than. Uh, <laughs> what is he? What is he write? Um, oh, jeez, I should have. Uh, I, I will look it up. I, I I know he's writing a TV show right now, but I I don't remember which one. Hold on one second. But well, that's cool. Yeah. I wish I wrote a TV show. Right. And the art, holy crap! Yeah, I, I don't know, and I didn't know Gudluski before this. Did you guys know? The name is familiar to me, but I can't place it. No. I, and I always misconstrue it with, with Godzuski, who does a totally different type of art. Um, but no, I, th- I thought the art was really great. There's a real nice sense of space in, in the panel. So you get, uh, the, uh, the impression that this is a really desolate, dirty, dusty, um, town where, you know, w- what else do you have to do but, uh, sit around and get drunk or work? Yeah, agreed. And, and, you know, one of the things I think that pulled me in to it when it was solicited, and I think Dave and I talked about this on the show, is that Fairbrook's elevator pitch for it was, what if Deadwood happened in space with aliens? Yeah. And I've never seen Deadwood. Oof. Yeah, it's a shame. Hurts my heart. I know. Never. Hurts my heart. So Fairbrook was one of the lead writers on the show Ringer with Sarah Michelle Geller, and then oh. he's been writing Starcrossed for the CW. Um, so yeah, so he's been dropping him. dropping some CW knowledge of late. That's awesome. It's really not surprising that Vince wouldn't watch shows that the rest of us find entertaining. But God's the the uh, um, at least the first two seasons, Vince. If you're ever so inclined, it's only like with ten, thirteen episode seasons. It's like Carnival. Just, just hurts your heart. The third one, yeah, is it ended um, midway. Um, I probably would have seen it if the HBO collected editions. Uh, DVD editions weren't so damn expensive. It's nuts. I think they're actually getting a little better, but no, yeah, when, when, before Blu-rays came out and, and the DVD sets were, I mean, whether it was Six Feet Under or Sopranos or Deadwood, anything was like, it, it's like, why is one season over 90 bucks? Because mm-hmm. they could the get wires, that. Uh, no, you're absolutely, yes. I mean, but it, it's, I mean, when you compare it, when you're looking at a season of The Wire, which is maybe 13 episodes and that's 90 bucks, or you look at a 22, episode season for regular NBC or CBS network show like NCIS or something and that's maybe not even 35 there's there's it, it's obvious that they're going for I don't know what kind of extras there are on on HBO box sets but it's um it, well, for it's that price just, I hope to be significant seriously but yeah but you're right Vince they're, they're, they're yeah. stupid expensive and, and which is why I never bought one Mm. We do like our bargains, don't we? So says the Jew. Some of us. I love them. Hmm. Well, yeah, um, um, uh, I had a great time with these. I would recommend the series, and I'm in for the long haul. Nice. Good for you. Yeah, sure. it's, gr- it's great stuff. Awesome. Can I read a list of creators to you guys? Yes, you don't have to ask. You're the boss. No, I know, I know. I, I'm being polite, but hold on. <laughs> I got it. Oh, God. He's got to wheel it in. I gotta wheel it in. Hold on. I know what it is. Do y'all? It's pretty baffling. Okay. 
Gerhard, which you don't hear that name very often these days. No, no not, not by itself. Usually right. it's and Gerhard, but yeah. Mark Buckingham. There you go. Pause button. He put the mute button, buddy. Is the book the book hit it? Damn it! Where did I leave off? Wait a minute. After Buckingham. After Buckingham. Did you get the little Nemo thing? I will kill wow, you. Well, shit. Barrel Dalrymple. <sighs> Jeremy Bastian. David Peterson. Paolo Rivera. Xander Cannon. Ron Wimberly. Scott Morse. Paul fucking Pope. Greg Benton. Toby Cypress. And by the way, I'm, these are, I'm skipping over a lot of people. These are just people that we've either talked about or, or, or overt fans of. P. Craig Russell. Camilla Derrico. Ramon Perez. Nice. Alex Deerett. Dave Dorman. Craig Thompson. Pete Bag. <laughs> Andrew <laughs> McLean. Sinkevich. Stop it! Dennis yeah. Kitchen. <laughs> Can't front on Dennis Kitchen. And he cannot. No. I'm going to bring his name up later. Yuko Shimizu. Nice. Moritat. Oh. My boy, Aaron Conley. Mm-hmm. Chrissy Zulo. Shit. Gustavo Duarte. Yes. Uh, Mr. Tom Scholey. Who's that? <laughs> Kelly <laughs> Jones. Shit. Way with letters on that piece by John Workman. Smotter. Oh. Mm. Box Andre the Giant Brown, Dean Haspiel, Stephen Bissett. Oh, oh no! Richard, that wow. Marco God. Rudy, nice. Oh, I love, I love him. <laughs> right now, and I'm saying Jill Thompson, Dave Bullock, nice. Benjamin Ooh. Mara. Oh, Dap, you ready for this? Maris Wicks. No. Roger Langridge, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba, oh. Jim Rugg, J.H. Williams, Cliff mm-hmm. Chang, Charles Vess, and the giveaway, last but most assured. Oh, boy. What happened? I don't know. He's still there. Now he's putting the yeah, track. Sorry. Okay. It's this damn broken headphone you're making me wear, people. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, but I am talking about from Locust Moon Press, Little Nemo in Slumberland, which Vince, Vince blew the, the lead there. He, he, he blew the lead, but, um, <laughs> you know, Kickstarter, we've talked a bit the last few months that we haven't been as hyped about Kickstarter as we were a year or two ago. But there have been a few projects lately that have renewed my faith, and this is definitely one of them. Yeah. This is a, not, this is a, uh, a uh, anthology. Uh, it's, it's a love letter to Mr. McKay's Little Nemo book. And it's, uh, interestingly enough, the, the, it's, it's not the only one out there because we've talked about the Gabriel Rodriguez, um, mm-hmm ongoing book that's that's coming out right now as well but but this this is just a sight to behold not only do you have over um a hundred phenomenal creators that contributed to this book but it's massive it is i don't know the dimensions offhand i should have looked that up for recording but it's roughly equivalent if not slightly larger than the artist editions 
that you get. I think it's it's even bigger than the the Mad Artist Edition, isn't it? Uh, it, it might be, but it's it's, yeah. it's it's immense. It is humongous. Um, when you're holding, trying to read it, you look like you're a, a well, you look like you're Nemo. You look like you're a little kid. It's that big. But um, I, I I haven't read all the the stories, but I did look through every page, and you could you could literally spend hours on this book just looking at the pages. They're all absolutely stunning. Um, and, and as you can hear from that list of creators, not only is it a phenomenal list of creators, but it's just a wildly eclectic list of creators who go just, just crazy with the imagination. And I think it's such a perfect, um, a perfect concept to do this kind of collaboration on because, you know, the, the whole beauty of Little Nemo is that it's a dreamland. And so anything can happen, any mm-hmm. setting, any background, any, any graphic depiction. And it just seems to fit so well with, with the creators that they have here and they all put their absolute A games in. Nobody phoned this in at all. It's just, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I know many of you are hearing this saying, well, it doesn't help me very much since I didn't do the Kickstarter, but there is good news. This was uh, the, this was the passion project for, uh, the folks at Locust Moon, which is a small press publisher and a small press comic shop in Philadelphia. So shout out to the Illadelph, uh, but you can buy this book from them directly, even if you didn't get the Kickstarter. It's, uh, it can be found at locustmoon.storenv.com. So it's one word, locustmoon.storenv.com. And you can go to the shop section of the, of their publisher site and pre-order this. Um, it's $124.99 list. And I don't know that there's any kind of discount available for this one because it is a very limited, uh, small press run. But dude, it is totally worth it. If, if you, mm-hmm. if you have it in your budget to buy things like artist editions, um, and you're a fan of original art, even if you're not very beholden to the Little Nemo original source work, which admittedly I, I wasn't, it is a absolute grand slam home run to own this thing. It, it's so, wonderfully gorgeous to look at every single page that uh you you again you you you'll you could spend hours and hours just 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 checking this out it's it's a it's a marvel so highly highly recommend it to those of you that have it in your budget and are willing to track it down from non-traditional sources but it, again it's little nemo dream another dream by locust moon press and it is easily spoilers gonna win my top anthology for the 11 o'clock 11 o'clock Oscars. there's no nothing yeah, I- can touch it I don't see what could. Yeah, so, yeah. So there you go. They should they should do the Tashin thing and and sell the book with its very own table, like like make a table, especially designed reading table for this thing, and sell it that way. You know, do a special one thousand dollar edition with a big ass nicely. Maybe Marvel table. will provide a table for that Secret Wars. Uh, oh. Uh, oh. I think the slipcase is supposed to be the table. Nice. I asked around, and there's talk that it's going to be between five and seven hundred. Shit. Mm-hmm. Well, which would translate to about four on Amazon if it's lo- like low fives. I hope. I, I want to buy it. I do too. Absolutely. And uh, funny that you mentioned Secret Wars because um, we're going to all reread that, the old joint, in preparation for the new Marvel Secret Wars. That's yes. right. And you, you are welcome to join us. We don't, do we know when we're going to go off on this? No, or? stay tuned no. though. Yeah. Get, get to reading if you want to play along. Right. Cannot wait. I'm so excited for the Secret Wars thing. I, I Facebook messaged the guys. I said, did you see the map? And they're like, what? I said, just, just, just look just, at the just map. Just go to this website going- where it isn't. 
shut up. And they're going down the list, right? And no one got the reason why I was excited. They're like, oh, this place and this, oh, look at this. And Weird World is going to be a part of it. I, and I love that miniseries, fleeting as it was. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. When you think about it, though, they need a fantasy realm. And that's, that's, and it could also sell Marvel some, some new trades too, because if they repackage that stuff, John Basima, come on, what do you, why not? Um, and Mike Plug. Um, so yeah, Weird World is going to be a part of it. This is crazy. Nice. Should we do a couple, uh, a couple in the spirit of Thanksgiving shout outs from people about what they're thankful for? Just do it. All right. So. Uh, listener Tom Morris is thankful for fun comics like Spider-Verse, great movies like Captain America, uh, my son being a future comic book nerd, and right. he's also thankful for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. getting bigger and better each week. He's a man, he's he's a man of simple pleasures, clearly. He's, he's right. He is right about that. He is right. Yep. Uh, our, our friend and listener and, and upcoming artist extraordinaire, Mr. Ryan Lee, is thankful for Wi-Fi and his younglings. Hmm. Uh, the Southern Bastards, Team Southern Bastards, otherwise known as the Jasons, Latour, and Aaron. Uh, Jason Aaron is, if you know him, you won't be surprised by this. He's thankful for Nick Saban, who for my uh, my non-football-loving brothers here is the head coach of Alabama, widely considered the, uh, the, the best college football coach. And Jason Aaron is a huge Alabama uh, football fan. And Jason Latour is thankful that he gave up watching college football. And he's also thankful that he and Jason Aaron haven't killed each other yet, but that people like reading about them killing other people. So there you go. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. I got plenty more, but we can, we can intersperse them. We'll make them interstitial. I like that. Nice. Works for me. David. Vincent. What you got? Um, I have, uh, oh, I should step all over your toes with this one, but I won't. Do it. Step on his dick. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, I wish you well, could. Well, that means I'd have to, like, stand on him. He'd have to lay down. He, he would need to jump. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's funny. I, uh, <laughs> it's always funny <laughs> when you have to tell someone it's funny. The, uh, I, I decided to give something a shot that, um, I haven't read anything from this, from this title. Um, in a couple of years. And the reason I decided to give it a shot, um, was because of number one, the artist in this done in one issue. Um, but also because this event that seems that it's been going on forever has finally finished. And I am talking about DC's Batman by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo in issues 35 and 36, uh, issue 34, was written by Jerry Duggan and has art, beautiful art, by um, your friend and mine, Mr. Mateo Scalera. Hootie hoo! And it is, uh, it's a really cool done in one issue, um, where there's a, uh, Dr. Lizzie Tompkins is involved and, and, uh, there's a mystery basically that Batman has to solve. And, um, actually I finished it and, and it, had me asking a few questions because it kind of feels a little bit like an inventory story based on, um, cause it's taking place or the issue comes out after year zero and before this, um, this new end game storyline. Um, but it, 
I, I, I guess it fits in nicely because of some of the things that Batman is, is thinking about, uh, such as what's going on with former Commissioner Gordon and, uh, and, and Joker is on the loose and some other things that are going and, and Selena being a big time crime Lord. Uh, so 34, I would recommend if you're a black science fan, uh, or just if, if you like really nice art, definitely give it a shot. 35 kicks off this end game storyline, uh, which is basically, um, Batman versus the Justice League. And, um, I, I like the idea of the story and, and Capullo's art is absolutely stunning. Uh, inks by Danny Miki. Um, there's a backup story going on where a bunch of, um, inmates or patients, um, are all connected somehow to the Joker that that's written by, um, James Tinney and, and, and as art by various, well, the two so far, um, old school, older school Batman artists. The first chapter was, uh, done by Kelly Jones and the second is by Mr. Graham Nolan. So it looks like they're using former Batman artists to, uh, to tell this story, but the main story, the whole end game thing, um, Something's up with the Justice League. They attack Batman. My issue seems to be with the main Batman book. Um, it's way too bright. It, there's, it, it's, the action is taking place during the day. It's a lot of open spaces. The Mateo issue was dark. It was at night. It felt like Gotham. This feels more like Metropolis than anything else. Um, and it looks great. It just doesn't feel like a Batman book. And the, uh, the other thing is, is, is still, I, I don't know, I, call me what you will, but I just, I am still not keen on everybody's new 52 outfits, not yeah. down with the piping, not down with the, just the look, the way everything is just too, uh, too busy, too, too, too noodled with. It's just, uh, Superman shows up and, and I want to be impressed, but I, I, I just can't because I, I can't get behind the, uh, the outfit, but the, the story's neat. I am going to finish this story because, uh, once you find out who infected the Justice League, um, there's a, uh, I guess. What are they infected with? They are, inf- each one is infected with, uh, with something different. Uh, they're all infected with the same kind of, uh, uh, toxin. But each one is uh, is designed for that particular. Um, uh, so you, uh, it's um, there's uh, let's see. Batman says uh, for cyborg, there's a rubberized microbe that makes killing the virus with a charge difficult. Uh, Barry has magnetized filaments uh, moving the virus around. Uh, so it's it's all. It affects them all the same way, but there's no one cure to get rid of it in each one. So they're at, um, they're at, uh, they're at Argus getting, uh, having it go through this system. Now it's going to take a few days. And that, of course, leads Alfred to worry about, uh, you know, almost a week without the Justice League. Who knows what kind of, uh, threat the, the world could, um, could face. And what's interesting is, is, uh, 
there's a young woman. Her name is Julia. She knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Apparently, she's Alfred's daughter. Uh, there's a um, when they f- try to figure out how the uh, the Justice League was infected. Um, Bruce mentions that uh, the League isn't together many places. It's policy. It's like the Watchtower is the only place where they all meet. Um, but the defenses really can't be um, pretty much impenetrable. But there was a charity at um, at the Gotham Children's Hospital, and that seems to be where everybody was at one time in particular. And uh, and so that seems to be how it um, how the virus made it into their systems. But once you find out who's behind it, um, I'm also finding out that I guess Arkham Asylum was closed down. And the patients are now have been moved to Arkham Manor. Um, Bruce Wayne is, Which is in the new book done by Sean Crystal. Okay, um, Bruce is living in um, Old Wayne Tower, which is is pretty much in downtown Gotham. Um, it's uh, which is also where the fight breaks out in the first part of the story when Wonder Woman attacks him. Um, it. You know, it it all makes sense. It 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 works. It's um, it's not. It, it, it again. It's it's the new fifty two. So it's not necessarily a Batman story that um, that would have worked uh, pre new fifty two. But it's um, um, it like Sinestro. I'm I'm embracing, I guess. But it it's uh, I I dug it. I um. As far as the story goes, I mean, there there are some things that I'm nitpicking just because of how I feel about about the the reboot and and some things here and there. But it's uh, shaping up to be a pretty nifty story. It, there's a um, the, there's a, a a doctor. His name is um, Eric Border. He is uh, he's Batman's go to guy at Arkham, uh, and something happens to him in issue 36. So there's, um, which I thought was pretty neat as far as the whole reveal went. And it, it's, uh, you know, like I said, Capullo just looks amazing. I think Miki is, is a great, anchor. I thought Jonathan Glapian was a great anchor on him earlier when the series first started, but, um, you know, Miki's definitely no slouch and been around long enough and has worked with pretty much everybody. Um, but there is a scene where we go to Arkham and it is dark and it's dreary and it's damp. Uh, those pages are great. And that definitely feels like Batman more than anything else as the, um, as, as things play out, definitely a lot of shadows. Um, there's just, uh, there's, there's, and, and this issue ends with a pretty big cliffhanger, but I, um, yeah, I, I said, I, I was waiting for year zero to finish because I'm not, going to jump in. He's like, I mean, that tied into, that seemed to trickle into, I mean, I remember seeing a year zero in Great Arrow. Um, it just, it seemed to have gone on. It, well, of course, background. I mean, you know, they're all tied in, but I mean, after, after Court of Owls, then I think there was Death of the Family. It just, there's, there were a lot of arcs and, and it was no real good time yeah. for me to kind of give it another shot. But once I saw the break with, with this, with this, um, it, it's a cheap shot to call it a fill-in, but once 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 I was able to to get my way in with with the Mateo issue, um, and then try the next couple, I'll I'll 
I'll see where this storyline goes and, and hopefully it won't spill into other books that I, I really, um, want to, <laughs> don't want to follow on that whole, but it's, uh, I would definitely recommend it. I, I, once I saw the art on 34, um, I pinged Jason and, uh, told him he should at least check this issue out. So, uh, I'm going to do the same to all of you. And, and if you have not been reading Batman or have been, uh, staying away from anything for whatever reason, I would, uh, I would at least give issue 34 a shot. Nice. Yeah. I, I definitely, I read the Scalera issue per your, uh, entreaty. I didn't read the other two because I'm still reading Batman in, 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 uh, in its chrono- chronology, I'm a few issues behind, so I, I, I broke my, my chronology for you for that, uh, Sclera uh-huh. issue, but, uh, no, it was cool. You're, I, I agree with you. It was definitely a fill-in. Uh, I mean, Jerry Duggan's a cool, he's a good writer, and I'm a huge Sclera fan. It, it, it fell out of place relative to the rest of it, but, but I, it was good. It was a one-off. I guess maybe Capullo needed a break that month or something. Not sure. Um, I'd be curious to know though how long that book's been drawn. I get the sense it wasn't. It wasn't drawn for the. I have a feeling it's been in the been in the in the books for a while. Um, oh, think, is it an inventory story? I think so. Because, yeah. Because and and because Duggan, I don't know if he's exclusive with Marvel, but I mean he's definitely writing a lot of stuff at Marvel now. So I, I don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was yeah, definitely who, enjoyable. But who's going to turn their nose at a at a single issue done by Mateo Scalari? Oh, exactly. definitely. Come on, no, it's well it's yeah. well timed. I mean, he's, if it was an inventory story, they. They they got lucky there because Scalera's star has been on the rise, you know. So I mean, and, and the, the one double page spread where Batman is talking about what's been going on. I mean, that, that's very easy to to tweak art wise because of the way the panels were laid out, and um, and I'm sure writing it to match that all up wasn't um, wouldn't have been difficult. I mean, as far as the mystery and and who was who, it, it's not like any major players were involved in the story. So it, it, it very well could have been sitting in a drawer. Um, and it, I don't know if backups have been the norm with Batman. I know they were, um, I don't know if it's been ongoing, but, um, it's about, I, um, yeah, there's, I mean, the bulk of the issue is, is pencil back of Pulo. And then there's this backup that's anywhere from maybe five to, eight or so pages. So I don't want to say that he's not drawing a full book because he pretty much is, but um, I don't know what his, his track record has been. If he's doing like about 10 issues a year or anything like that, but it's still he he hasn't, I mean, it, it looks cleaner and sharper than when the new 52 started, but I mean, it's still Capullo and, and, and the man can still draw his ass off. Mm-hmm. I saw him live. He doesn't have an ass. David's right. Right. Completely Slides gone. Right out of the because chair every he's, time. he's drawing it off every issue. It's true. Oh, Capullo? Yeah. Yeah, he's totally drawn his ass right off. <laughs> Completely. It ran away. It, 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 it took the, it took, hopped on a Greyhound bus and went cross country. And, oh. and he'd probably twist you into a pretzel if you ever told him that. That's true. <laughs> he's a, what, you don't think he listens? No, he's a big boy. He's a big boy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of DC Comics. What's that? I'm sure a big chunk of our listenership would like to know uh, our thoughts on arguably the most anticipated single issue of this calendar year. Yes. And I'm talking about the Multiversity Pax Americana, number one, written, of course, by Mr. Grant Morrison and drawn by Mr. Frank Quitely. With Nathan Fairbrain. 
Um, this is true. All about Earth 4. Yes. The Charlton universe. The Watchmen universe. Which, the Watchmen characters, but yes, absolutely. The Charlton universe, which is, and, and we all know, I and mean, we've talked about it, that uh, the Watchmen characters are based on the, the old Charlton characters. Um, this, I, I told you guys, this was, it, it almost felt like it was a waste to be a part of this event just because of, of how it looks. And, um, it's pretty much a standout. It, it, it is one of, I've, I've enjoyed most of the multiversity, what we've gotten so far. Um, but this is an absolute standout of it. I mean, the way it looks, it, it's, um, it, there are things about it that we are going to analyze or over. I mean, we, as, as we're reading it, we, we, can overanalyze it. Um, and, and there are things that I think would be amazing on their own, but it, it's also, um, because of its connection to the past and, and what you're thinking about as you're reading it, I think it also be a detriment. It's, um, it, there's a lot of love in it, but as far as, um, you know, and, and, and you can reread it. And then of course the big thing is you can read it forward and backwards. And if you know, if you're in synagogue, that I'm sure is great, but it's a thing that, um, it's, it's heavy, but it's not too heavy where I, I you're not going to read it and then shrug after you read it. Um, but it, it's, uh, I, I'm glad I read it is what I want to emphasize. It's, um, but I don't know if it's as important as a lot of people are making it out to be. I think I said to you guys after I read it that it felt like um, the technical achievement of this book is, is absurd. Like, and, and of the highest of praise, quietly. Yeah. And, and, and we talk a lot about, oh, we like this art or this artist is great. This is frankly, and I've read it three times now. Um, I, I can now say definitively that this is right up there, right up there with Dave Gibbons from a, 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 a storytelling and structural treatise. It's, it's, it's an expert class in how to, the different ways and tools you can integrate into a sequentially drawn comic book. Um, he, he pulls out, if, if he was going for his PhD, this would be his thesis, right? I think that, that quite clearly put as much into this one issue, uh, in terms of structure, pacing, grid layout, format, then I don't know that anything more would have been possible in a single issue for anyone to do, to, to show this. And it is certainly in direct homage and yet in important ways different than the inevitable comparison work, which is, of course, The Watchmen. Um, but all that said, and, and, and this is decidedly a book that I truly appreciate from the academic view of what it is and what it achieves – but from the visceral standpoint of being a comic book reader and just picking up an issue in my stack and reading it, I didn't 
love the book. I, I didn't, I didn't come away jazzed or, 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 or psyched or wanting to see more of this. I came away thinking, wow, kudos to them. That's an impressive display of what they tried to do. But again, as a fan, I don't know that it delivered for me. And right. I seem to be in stark minority there relative to the feedback we've gotten on our forums and in Facebook and, and I've seen on social mm-hmm. media. I, I mean, most people I think will likely call this the issue of the year, uh, in, in whatever extent they have the ability to vocalize that. I think this will, yeah. this will be sung in high praises. And again, there are lots of reasons why I don't think that is hyperbole. I think there's a lot here that is very impressive and we get into some of it and, and it, 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 and I think some of it is likely, but here's the thing. I think what makes it really impressive can easily and forgivably be ignored by a lot of readers and it shouldn't be the reader's fault that they don't want to take the time to read this thing three times and think through what makes it special, you know? And one more thing, I know you're chomping at the bit, Vince, but this no, gets at the thing I've always said about Morrison. There's, there's this debate about who's the greatest ever. And I've always said to me, Alan Moore's the greatest ever. And mm. while any, any, anything about greatest ever is totally subjective and, and who am I to say if you disagree with me or wrong. But what I've always said is I adore Morrison. I think he is a genuine genius and I think some of his stuff has been perfect expert all time great comic books. But the thing I think Morrison has shown at times is a lack of interest in delivering that top-level, visceral surface connection to the fans. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. But I think he does when he does, it's almost accidental. I don't think that's a driving force for him. Whereas, it, for the most part, Moore's books have been full of depth, multi-layered, but they've also delivered as a pure fictional narrative. And that's where I think Morrison, when he's misstepped, is misstepped. And I would dare to say that in this, he does the same thing. From a craft and structure standpoint, this is an A-plus, unassailable – well, I mean, this is an unassailable achievement from both of them on that front. But from a visceral, did I love the comic book for the comic book and the story? No, I didn't. Yeah. I don't think you're in the minority as far as this virtual room is concerned. I think sure, you're, sure, you're, sure. you are definitely the majority because I didn't, um, how do I put this? Um, I, like yourself, I read it in both directions twice. I definitely admire the, um, level of complexity invested into the book. But I think ultimately all that is at the expense of storytelling. I, I at no point reading this issue, any of the occasions that I read it, was I ever entertained. I, I felt like Mr. Campbell that it was a, a, a huge effort to get through the thing. It was um, at times tedious, especially reading it in the opposite direction. Um uh, like I said, let's just put it this way. When I want to dance, I'm not going to put on yes. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I really, I love yes's music. I love the way they construct music and the way they play music and the, 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 the places that music brings me to, but it doesn't fulfill a function on, like Jason said, the visceral level. And that's, a lot of times that's what I'm, 
out for when I read comics. Uh, Copperhead thrilled me a thousand times more than this issue. Uh, other things we've read this week. I mean, we read Tooth and Claw. I could say that in terms of pure entertainment value for me, Tooth and Claw was a better issue than this multiversity. Was it constructed better? No. Was it drawn better? Of course not. But on a, uh, on, on a, on a level where I feel like I am totally satiated by this book it it gave me a story i understand the characters i i can it, it took me out of the moment into a, another realm entirely tooth and claw did that um this multiversity thing it just i i you you see oz throughout the whole issue it the, the book is incredibly self-aware meaning that the creative team is present on every damn page you you can feel Morrison moving the pieces around in his mind and and constructing the story. You can you can see Quietly's work uh, just blocking out, especially in the scene with the the statue and the and the murder. Mm-hmm. You can see you can actually feel him plotting out this. Well, how best would this work? And and it it's it's a virtuoso performance, but it just left me cold. Mm-hmm. It it was totally hollow to me. Right, and that's the thing. I, I think I, I I hope we're as, as people listen to this, they're they're saying, I think we all all three of us appreciate the craft here, and, and it's not, and it and it. This is to me, it's not just saying, oh, it's it's crafted well, but it, it it's crafted maybe perfectly. I mean, for 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 the pages that they had to work with and what they did with it, yeah. it's it's it, it's unassailable. I I believe that. I mean, and again, at the front to back, the the the, and it's not just the the. The, the, the structural, you can read it front, you can read it backwards, but, but think about it. The book starts with a murder. The book ends with a murder. Um, right. it, it, it starts and they're both innocent murder. Well, no, they're both well-intentioned murders. Right. And, and there's, there's just a lot of beautiful things here. I, I, I think I, I made the, the, the statement on Twitter or, or on the, uh, on, on a Facebook forum. I forget where, but I, I said something like my first, when I, the first time I read this issue, my, my reaction was two great creators, Flew too close to the sun of Alan Moore and 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 burned like Prometheus. I I, I felt like they they didn't like they they tried to pull off their response to Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons Watchmen and they didn't quite pull it off. I think that was an unfair characterization. I, I think um, the comparisons are inevitable, but I think this is its own thing, and, and I, I definitely want to come at this from from that perspective. And there are things I I think are wonderful in this. Um, Seeing Captain Adams sitting on a park bench and killing his, you know, flaying his dog into a bunch of different pieces and then, and then saying it's just not the same and then putting it back together and the dog's dead, but then he creates another, another copy of his dog. But, but yeah. the, the dead dog's still there. I mean, there's a lot there. Morrison is telling you, look, dead is dead. It doesn't matter who, it's never, yeah. and there's, there's a lot of things to chew on there. And I think you could take probably each page of this work. And have a fairly intelligent and passionate philosophical discussion about sure. what they're trying to say or portray. But to your point and David's point, but it's not, it wasn't fun. It, I, didn't, no. I didn't read it and say, Oh snap, I can't believe that happened. I read it and said, Huh, that's, that is interesting. I mean, this is the kind of thing that, that our buddy Zach should be teaching at his class next year, mm. right? Yeah. He, but can I interrupt sure. you for one second? I don't think it's its own thing. I don't think for a second that it exists. Uh, on its own um, conceptual space because there's too much of 
the the Watchmen invested in. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things in this book would would be nonsense. No, you're right. I go back and forth. I, I, what I'm saying yeah. is, I guess, is I'm trying to. That's why I read it three times. I read it first, then I read it backwards, and everyone said, "Oh, I got to read it backwards," and then I reread it again in anticipation of the discussion. And 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 in, in some way, you could say, okay, if you're willing to read it three times, that's saying something because I, I can't think there's many. There's certainly very few comics I read more than once the, in a right. sitting. I may have reread comics multiple times over over my life because. I want to re-experience them, but but I, I rarely sit there and reread a comic two three times, even if we're going to talk about it. So so again, I I, I don't want to discount that. And you're right, there there are certainly, in some ways, I think Morrison and Quitely are volleying volleying directly at Moore mm-hmm. Gibbons. Um, when I say it's its own thing, I meant that I can't. <sighs> It's a vain piece but, of work. Right, but what I mean when I said – let me just – when I say I, I wanted to view this as its own thing, what I meant by that is that I think it's unfair of me, just speaking personally, to compare this directly to Watchmen because as you guys know and as I've said a million times on the show, for me personally – and again, this is just qualitative. I, I, it's, a, it's a subjective thing. For me personally, Watchmen is the, is the singular best comic work ever done. Mm-hmm. I mean it is what it is. Whether you think that's consensus or not, or you think, I, I just think that's, that's how I view things. To me, Watchmen is perfect comics. So it's hard for me. Inevitably, when you have something at the very top of a list and you've read thousands and thousands of comics, when something is directly comparable to your perfect thing, it's destined to fail, right? You're destined to say, well, it's, it's not. So I just, I tried hard to extricate this from that as much as possible to just judge it for what it is. And that's not an easy thing when you hold the, the, the source material in such high regard. So, right. you know, it's a struggle. And, and again, if you're, I know some of our friends think Watchmen's overrated. And while well, I think they're batshit crazy for thinking that, <laughs> again, they're, they're entitled to think that. And if you, if you think Watchmen's overrated, you may look, read this and think this is phenomenal. This is like the best thing yeah. ever. So, and, and, I'm, and See, they're not wrong. It's, it's, there objective. also was significant pressure. From the, from those who actually loved the issue, the, there was a lot of pressure out there. If yeah, I, I noticed a couple people that that, that uh, chimed in that said, "Nah, I didn't think it was all that." And and they, while they didn't get attacked, there was more comments directed towards the negative appraisals of the or the or the. Not I want to say negative. L- let's just say. Um, Less than glowing reviews received more comments than the guys that were like, "Oh, best comic ever, number one for the year." You know, those that those just went, came and went. Well, Nobody said anything about. It. But if if you picked at something within this issue, you got comments. Sure, you got you got I, some kind of response. That's not abnormal because I, I I do think if you have a consensus view, for example, you mentioned Campbell on the No Apologies podcast this week. Shout out. Uh, mm. I thought I heard Campbell say that he thought Goodfellas was. Not a good film. It was depressing. And, well, he's totally nuts. No, exactly. See, my point is, everyone's like, "What?" And I confronted him with that, and I misheard him. I misheard him. He 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 said he thought the scenes in the '80s were depressing, but it's still one of his favorite movies. <laughs> okay. Which I'm like, okay, that's fine. So vindicated. No. So my point is, is 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 again, if 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 98 percent of the people reading this comic thought it was the best comic in years, um, again, it's subjective. So I understand why they would they would be almost shocked. If friends of theirs who they generally feel are reasonably aligned with them from a fandom standpoint disliked it, right. they'd be shocked by that. So I don't have a problem with that kind of pushback. I mean, I, I would, I would say I, I think we, we certainly aired some of our 
more ambivalent views on it, and I didn't. I don't feel like I got lambasted or attacked for it. I, I, no. I, I definitely got a couple uh, comments like, "Really? Like, wow, that surprises me." But I didn't get too many like, "You're nuts, dude," or "That's crazy," or yeah. "You're an idiot." Type of well, thing. that's because of the people we surround sure, ourselves sure. with. That's sure. Sure. Um, just to me, it seemed like the creative team from the onset were saying, "Look what we can do." You know, and that's not a good jumping off point for a creative piece of work. Mm-hmm. Isn't that really what uh, this is all about, though? Isn't that what multiversity is about, ultimately, what Morrison can do and then with his his artistic collaborators? Yes, yes, I, I guess. Um, it's a one-man sh- – well, not counting the visual aspect of it. It is a one-man right. show. So there's only one person to, to point the finger at at the end of the day. Uh, now, I, I – technically, it was flawless. Visually, it was amazing. And it, it never ceases to amaze me for how detailed an illustrator quietly is. His work never looks stiff. No, never. you're right. You're right. And, and it, it's just amazing that he can pull that off, where he can invest personality. In fact, can we go life. back and delete those early episodes when I was shitting on quietly? <laughs> can we? Can uh, we no, that, that's, a, that's gold. Can we remove those from the ether? So young. The man, the man can even inject personality into something like a car, like an inanimate object. You know it's a quietly car. Right, right. Uh, but that said, I, yeah, it's, it was, it was definitely not my favorite issue of the year so far. Mm-hmm. But you'll have that. Absolutely. So an A plus for, for effort, I guess. Yes. But maybe a C for us for, for the, the enjoyment of it. I give it a C plus. Okay. You know what I give an A though? Our, how's that, our listeners. How's that, how's that for a segue? Yes. Our ish, our listeners being thankful for things. I would give that an A. Why don't you read that? Nice. Some well, Mr. Josh Cruz <laughs> is thankful for barbecue and who isn't? Really? Boudreaux, which I honestly don't know what that means. So. Boudreaux, Boudreaux. Maybe he means buddies. I don't know. And badass comics, which again, how can you not, how can you not appreciate that? Mr. Jeffrey Flam, aka Slow Fat, is thankful for Charles Burns and Gilbert Hernandez books coming out this year, Seriously. as well as great podcasts like our own. Oh, that's very sweet. That is. Mr. Mike Revival Norton. Ah. Or I should say Mike Battle Pug Norton or Mike Third Coast Norton. Who knows? Mike Man of Many Hats. True. Norton. He is thankful for way too much. He gets to make his living drawing his own comic book. He just got married, and he's currently covered in three dogs. Oh, and he's still the life. time to type. That's right. That that is the dream to make art and get paid for it. Our, the art that you want to make. How about that? That is true. Our recent uh, our recent guest on the fourth chair, uh, an artist of Tech Jacket, and currently vacationing in Grenada, mm. is thankful that he's not in the states this week. He may never come back. No, you got to so come ex-pat, back. Expat Randolph. We're going to start calling him. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Jeff Bouchard uh, is thankful for his health, family, friends, and plethora of comics, comic-based movies, and video games that are out that he can share with his daughters. Very sweet. Aww. Our buddy Hassan is thankful for family and friends. No surprise there if you know Hassan. Uh, Mr. Jason Ford is thankful for Tom Scholey drawing Transformers versus G.I. Joe. <laughs> and speaking of that, a quick aside, did you guys see this week? The three covers to G.I. Joe Transformers number four combining, then it makes a combined picture. Yes, I did. Insane. Tom, if you're <laughs> listening is. to this, and I think you are, I would love to talk to you about owning those three pages because that's ridiculous. So holler at your boy. All right, that's enough. Would, for- you, buy the, would you buy the crayon layer as well? I, w- I would certainly buy it all. 
That's awesome. Okay, I'm, I'm, we'll hold off for some more. We'll, we'll, and we'll do some more in a little while, but there's plenty more. And I appreciate everybody taking the time to answer my EEOC live tweet call because we haven't done one in a while. You know what I'm thankful for? Us? I think I do. Yes, I'm thankful for when my co-hosts let me ramble on at length about something I love. Such as. <laughs> <laughs> Such as what I didn't step on you about before? No, 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 no. We'll talk about that. You talking about oh, Tooth & Claw? No. Oh, well, I don't think you're going to be too much stemping on this other than to pepper it with your, oh, because there's a lot of names in here you're going to re- recognize. I have been um, extremely lax in talking about some of my all-time favorite comics. Why? Because they're some of my all-time favorite comics. And by talking about them with y'all, I... I give up a little bit of them, and and I'm reluctant to do that. It's so sometimes. weird when you say that. You used to say that about fables. You never talk about fables on the show because it was your comic. I never understand that. It's I don't like to it. I think. I'm sorry. Well, don't you I'm given. This is bit. Thanksgiving, and I'm given this week okay, because good. I want to talk about the Erie Archives. Oh, well, okay. Spe- specifically, volume number seventeen, uh, published by Dark Horse, as usual. This tome reprints Erie numbers 81 to 85, publication date February to August 1977. Damn. That was, that was one of the best years ever, was it not? Uh, 19, I was three. 19, come on, Star Wars alone, The New Hope, 1977. Yeah, I was three though, so. Alright, the senior editor at the time was Louise Jones. AKA. Louise Simon. Easy! Yes. Uh, and this, this is a very important volume, uh, in the Erie chronology because even though it's towards the tail end of their publishing run, um, it's very, very significant because it marks the first appearance in issue number 82 of, um, not only one of my favorite, uh, Erie characters, recurring characters, but this character became so popular that it spun out into its own magazine. Um, and this character in question was created by Bill Dubay. Good old Billy D. This guy was omnipresent at Warren, uh, especially true during its later years, the declining years. But, uh, the, the real impetus for the character and his world came from none other than Jim Warren himself. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about Warren here on many occasions. The dude was the consummate businessman. Uh, he loved to make money. And he had crossed paths with a dude named Howard Peretz. And Howard uh, ran something called Package Play Development. This guy was a buzzard. Uh, what he would do, he would pick the bones of old toy lines and uh, salvage what was usable and repackage them for contemporary kids. And he had a bunch of old molds laying around gathering dust. What was the subject of the molds? Well... Cowboys, Indians, stagecoaches, Western gear, etc. And Jim was convinced that the Western genre was going to come back and come and come back big. Yeah. So what he wanted to do, he wanted to update the old molds, capitalizing on their cheapness and availability. So he urged uh, Bill Dubay to create something in the Western genre for one of his magazines. So there you have it. This this character was not created during a blinding flash of inspiration or or one of your you know vivid creative visions james warren wanted to make money 
pure and simple. So Born was one of Erie's most vivid and conceptually rich characters, in my opinion. I am talking about the Rook. Ah. Good old Preston Dane. Nice. I love the Rook, man. Those Ken Kelly covers as a kid, I, they they just bamboozled me. I looked at them. I was like, this is the greatest piece of art I have ever seen. But, I, you know, I, Ken Kelly, the man who painted the uh, Kiss Destroyer cover, come on. Um, Reston Dane was a techno-physicist. Of course What is was. that? Yeah. He was a master not only of physics and computers and robotics, but he was a master of time itself because Reston had created a time machine. Dude, and his shirt went right down to his belly button. <laughs> Ridiculous. And uh, he fashioned the time machine in the shape of a chess piece known as the Rook. And and his method of time travel was based on the hypothesis that time is not linear. It's not long. It's not wide. It's broken up into fragments, finite segments of time just strung together. So he calls the, the time jumping process castling, much like the Rook King maneuver in the game of chess. Uh, uh, the rook can time jump to a particular segment of time and only stay there for as long as that time fragment's length. If he sticks around longer, he runs the risk of being trapped between times. He calls it a prisoner of no when. Mm. So in order to do his work, uh, Reston created a team of robots. Uh, most notably, you have your Effet butler, like bot named Manners, which was obviously influenced by C-3PO. Um, and you had a diminutive pair of robots called Nuts and Bolts. One of them is fashioned into the shape of a nut, and the other one is a little bolt. It's real cute. So what does he do with this time castle? What, what You have the, the mastery over time. You can pick a specific moment in time to which you want to go back to or forward to, and what are you going to do? Well, he jumps all the way back to a slice of 1836. You know what's significant about that date? 36. That's the Alamo. Oh, yes. Huh. That was yes, when indeed. Santa Ana's uh, Mexican devil stormed the Alamo. And uh, Reston had heard this story his entire life, that one of his ancestors, particularly his great-grandfather, his great-great-grandfather, Peristain, was killed at the Battle of the Alamo. So he jumps back to save the life of his great-great-grandpa. And when he gets there, he meets up with Colonel Travis and Davy Crockett and Jim Bowie. Um, and he, he does. He runs into his great-grandpa, but he doesn't manage to save his life. Mm. The, the, old dude, the old dude dies anyway. Um, but the uh, parish had a boy with him. And Reston says, well, if I can't save the old man, I'll save this little dude. And, and I'll jump a day into the future just to take him out of the skirmish and, and the hail of bullets and, and we'll save this kid's life. And he does so. And, and the kid during the battle somehow managed to get his hands on Jim Bowie's legendary knife. Huh. Um, yeah. Uh, so Reston jumps to save the boy. When he jumps though, he unknowingly picks up a hitchhiker. Uh, a nasty SOB named Gat Hawkin, who was imprisoned at one time because he's got the shackles still on his wrists. And it's the shackles 
that enable him to time jump. He jumps towards the, the, the rook time machine and the metal of the, the shackles touches the side of this time machine and he jumps forward with Reston and the kid. And this, you would think a guy in 1836, he's going to think this is the work of the devil or magic, but no, he deduces what's going on here. So he sets out to make life hell for Reston. He wants this time machine. Um, so this thing is filled with, with head spinning time hops. Uh, Reston jumps ahead to repair the time castle and he runs into a man who's called the world fastest gun. He's a, a, a trick shooter, right? And underneath the poster, it says, blah, 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 world's fastest gun, also owner of Bowie's legendary knife. So he meets his grandfather and the adventure continues. I'm not going to get into it real deep. This is just the first chapter. There are four Rook chapters in Erie number, um, se- archive 17. Mm-hmm. You get the first, you get the first appearance. The, 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 the first story is really three chapters. And then you get another chapter. Um, it's amazing stuff. And as you can tell, if you, if you're listening to what I'm saying, you're thinking, man, that sounds a lot like Briscoe County Jr. If you've seen, <laughs> if you, no, seriously, if you've seen Briscoe County Jr., you get a sample of what this Rook strip was like. And, and if you haven't, I don't want to know you. Mm. Oh, seriously. Yeah. Vince, what do you think uh, of the times that he's paired up with Vampirella? Um, I be- did that. Yeah, there was one, I think, Warren appearance where he teamed with Vampirella, but for the most part, that was a Harris comic deal. Yuri number five, uh, 95. He- yeah, they, they teamed up. Yeah. And then cool. in more modern parlance, it looks like in a comic called Chains of Chaos, the Rook and Vampirella teamed up. Yeah, that that was either Harris or Dynamite. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. <laughs> no, the Harris books not count. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Adam Hughes covers though. Yeah, they're yeah. cool. Uh-huh. But um, j- just for the record, uh, the Rook stuff was created and written by Bill Dubay, but Bill's frequent creative collaborator Bud Lewis wrote one, and it was all drawn drawn by Luis Bermijo, and it's amazing. It's very much in the in the Filipino invasion school. It's it's manly. It's it's gritty and rough and tough and and dusty and it's it looks like a pulp comic a, a pulp novel come to life. Mm-hmm. It's just am- amazing, amazing stuff. Um, the rest of the volume, uh, late period eerie was steeped in dystopia. If if it was a badass future. Where, uh, you know, robots or monsters running around or people starving and looking for food, they would, chances are good you can read about it in, in the, in the pages of Eerie. You had this, this volume includes the Hard John's Nuclear Hit Parade, uh, serial by Jim Stenstrom and Jose Ortiz. Jim Starlin cooks up another episode of Darklon the Mystic. You get The Gaffer by Roger McKenzie and Leo Duranona. The Pea Green Boat shows up, just one, uh, by Bud Lewis and Leopold Sanchez. You get the concluding chapter of Bud Lewis's uh, Scallywag with Jose Ortiz. There's much art by Carmine Infantino and Gonzalo Mayo. No, but this is the cool part. The, the volume leads off with a special themed issue. Uh, Frank Fazetta, a stalwart at uh, Warren, especially in the early days, he painted a version of King Kong's uh, fateful face-off atop the Empire State Building, but he turned he turned the tables. Instead of a giant ape, 
on the Empire State Building. His feature, his version featured a colossal nude blonde woman with a human-sized gorilla in in the role of Fay Ray, and the biplanes are spinning around. And so what Warren said is, we got this great painting by Frazetta. Why don't you guys all do your own versions, uh, like make a story around this this cover painting? So eight different takes on the subject. Uh, the best comes from Richard Corbin and Bruce Jones. It's the only Richard Corbin series uh, story in the book, and it's the only story in the book in color. Um, and the very worst comes from Carrie Bates and uh, the team of Infantino and Giordano. Mm. Incredibly sexist. <laughs> yeah, just like wincingly so. Uh, but that's cool. I mean, that's what it was in the 70s. Warren Comics was, they, they, they sexist, sexism was right. one of their stocks in trade, right? Uh, also, you get many of Jim Brancatelli's column uh, called The Comics. And if I had more time, I would do some fanzine flashbacks because there's really some great stuff in these in these columns. Uh, like I was telling David, one of them, he's like, you know, you better keep an eye out for this this um, uh, shit, <clears throat> this Archie Goodwin cat because he's gonna go places. Now Archie <laughs> Goodwin started he he did Warren work, but uh, the, he the fact that Archie bounced around from company to company, uh, Brancatelli said this guy's gonna do some great work, and he was right, and he did at Marvel. And, and, and Warren, Archie Goodwin is like the man, but it, it's just great stuff. I, I don't think there's, other than Commandy, if, if my house was on fire and I could only save, and I had superhuman strength, I could only save one book, I would cheat and save all my Warren books. Because next to the Commandy, they're, they're the books that mean the most to me. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love them, and and I, I'm proud and a little bit embarrassed to admit that I have the absolute complete eerie and creepy archives from from Dark Horse. I haven't missed a volume. Total that up in your head. <laughs> well, I am, I am glad that after seven years you've you finally gotten comfortable enough to share that with us. And I'm silly because I <laughs> have I have ninety percent of the runs in single issue, but I'm buying them again anyway. There you go. That that's love, man. Faux show. So there you go. I'm going to talk about eerie and creepy more often. I I do talk about the dark horse, uh, single issues, eerie and creepy, like the ongoings, but I haven't really talked about the archives. That's uh, true. I I will. I will. Can we talk about Tooth and Claw? We all read it. Sure. Tell them what it's about. You go ahead. I, I I read it the day it came out, and uh, I I probably am not the one to to break it down. You guys. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a new image series. Uh, just started. Issue one came out what two weeks ago, I think. Um, written by this. I, I don't think I've ever heard of this guy before. Kurt Busick. Is that his name? Indeed. Yes. <laughs> uh, legend in uh, Kurt Kurt Busick, illustrated by uh, another legend in the making, Mr. Benjamin Dewey. Mm. Uh, and the color art by was another who Jordy Belair who's that? Yeah, it's 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 an it's like an all star book because uh, having not having heard of Benjamin Dewey before, he won me over with his art. This 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 cat's gonna go places. It, it's it's incredible. The visuals are incredible. Um, the big time. Incredible. There's a there's a lot going on in this issue. It, it, it is, is a meaty issue. Yes, I it, think that's exactly the adjective I was gonna use. The um. It's, uh, 
it, it, easy. It's long. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, long. it's, it's, yeah, it, it's 40 plus pages. The, um, it, I, uh, if you do the inevitable comparison as far as recent image books from last year, um, it, it's umbral like to me in, in, in the settings and it, it's not like Copperhead. It's not like Deadly Class. It's not That's like East of West. It's, I still love umbral, but this was, and this 48 not, pages, no ads. Yep. It was, um, it, there was a lot here. I mean, they, they definitely could have cut this issue in half and still giving you plenty and, and would have made sure that I was back for the next issue. But, um, the whole world building aspect of it and getting to know everybody and finding out and just, and the way it was told the way, the, 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 the way it was explained to you by, by this young pup letting, you know, who everybody literally who everybody is. And, and, um, and I mean, just, it's, it's, um, it's unique. It's different, and it it's. I mean, before oh, sure. we go any further, it's it's definitely recommended. But it is a um, it's. You'll hear from us if if uh, if this is going to be up your alley. I didn't know what to expect, but uh, I was blown away by it, and and I will be reading for as long as it's coming out. It's it's steeped in in the fantasy realms, but not like Rat Queens or um, uh, Skull Kickers or um, Umbral. I mean, it, it's it's in those worlds, but it's not of those worlds. Right. If that makes that makes any sense, um, the book is entirely anthropomorphic. You you have anthropomorphic dogs and cats and owls and eagles and warthogs. I mean, it's it's talking animals. Okay, but this is a world steeped in magic. Magic is everywhere. Um, it exists. People use it. They rely on it a little too heavily, uh, I think. Um, it begins in a floating city uh, called Kennel, which yes. I thought was pretty, pretty funny because yeah. we're when we when we first uh, encounter this city, we are introduced to anthropomorphic dogs. Uh, a young man named, named Dunstan. And, and it's not, but uh, it's not spelled. It's it's pronounced kennel, but it's not spelled kennel. So it's that it's, it's that old worldy type feel yes. to it. So it's they're they're not just so blatant like that. It's K E N E I L kennel, um, and and he lives in the floating city. Uh, it there's um, seventeen great cities uh, of the plain, and and kennel is the westernmost. Uh, and, and it just so happens it floats. What keeps this city afloat is magic. Um, and they are a very, uh, it's a pantheistic people. They, they, they worship many gods. He gets up in the morning. He's got to do his, his, um, rituals and his, his, uh, you know, tributes and he does them. And, and his dad, who is a trade master, his father's a very important guy. Uh, he's, he's going to, uh, uh, make a trade with this this bison uh type people and uh the father is is a businessman they 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 agreed upon a price and i guess the uh the dogs upped the order to three times what was originally uh ordered and yet they paid the same price he ordered to pay the same price and the kid's like dad this isn't this is not right and he's like no 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 this is how you have to do business with these people yeah. 
And, and so the, the, the bison people, uh, there was one called seven scars. Am I right? Yes. Yep. Uh, the, the bison people, um, like he puts them in, in, in their place. The, the, the bison leader, seven scars, uh, wants to haggle and the, the, uh, Dunstan's father's not having it. And he literally, literally conjures a spell and blasts seven scars ass. So now there's bad blood between the bison and the, the dogs. Um, but it's not so much that it, it, it's not that dad's a dick. It's not that, you know, dad's trying to put one over. Like you said, he's a businessman. He's, he's, he's letting Dunstan know if you basically, if you acquiesce, then they're just, they, they know that they're going to be able to walk all over you. You have to stand firm. That's, this is, this is the deal that was made. You can't back down from it. Even if, even if you may think it's the right thing to do, this is what needs to be done or else they will just have their way with you. Right. Weakness will not be tolerated. But exactly. Dunstan, whom I'm guessing will be one of the main characters, he operates not with the mind. He operates with the heart. Yep. Yeah. And um, so in, in a nutshell, the wizards of this world are very worried because magic, according to them, is uh, the, the flow of magic is starting to uh, trickle. Where once there was abundancy, there now is um, not so much. And they're like, what can we do? Well, there's a plan proposed by uh, a female warthog named Garda. And she says, well, in the, if you look at your history, we have a, a, a significant event in the past where there was this um, great champion that, that flung open the the doors of magic for all of us and this is how we have magic uh, you know in the first place the, the, this great champion is what we need and we need to go back in time and pluck this great champion out of there and show us how to do it again and the council's like what are you nuts that you can't do this this goes against the will of the gods specifically um there's a hierarchy here and we're not shown all of it but we're shown the top of it uh, the first in council uh, is a uh, an anthropomorphic um, an eagle? Is he an eagle or so some kind of owl? A bird? No, owl, the owl is the one that comes later. Oh right, right, right. Yes, yes, yes. I'm yeah, the, the, he's either he's some kind of bird of prey uh, named Talon, two L's, and he forbids it. He's like, you cannot do this. This goes against the will of the god. You're only going to make trouble uh, at the very least. I will not hear of it. Uh, but that doesn't stop her. She 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 proceeds with her plan anyway. She rounds up all the wizards. She needs with mastery in many disciplines because the the spell she wants to cast is not a simple you know alakazam like one yeah. little spell. This is a layered multi spell process. A dozen that, plus that, conjurers involved. Yeah, and it's just like many different people, and and they do it on the floating city of Kennel. Why did they pick this place? Not because Dunstan's there, but it was incredibly you know fortuitous, but because. Kennel is the farthest away from the council seat. All those prying eyes back in the council can't see what she's doing if she's this far away. And as expected, it all goes tits up. It, it's bad. The The process requires far too much magics, and it drains the floating city of the stuff that keeps it aloft. And when there's nothing to hold it up, what happens? It falls. Kaboom. Lots of casualties. Um, yeah, the destruction is massive. And what happens next? Well, I'm not saying, because you're going to have to read the damn book. Yeah, it's yeah, that awesome. Should. It's it's seriously, it's that awesome. It's, it was amazing. There is absolutely. I mean, the the 
the amount of detail that that Dewey puts into the city, the background, the streets, the buildings, the clothing that everybody's wearing. It is yes. I can't imagine how how many hours a day this dude has to work to, to put this out here. And it's just nothing is is uh the basic there really aren't too many panels of of a head with some yellow background and and no. nothing else going on. I mean, you see, I mean that 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 one page where it crashes. It, I mean, a lot of that is because of Jordy because of the color. But yeah. I mean, everything about this this book is just it's it's beautiful. I mean, these are characters that the pet lover or not, I think you're going to care for it. It's they're it's already fleshed out. It's the first issue. You, you, you hit the ground running, but you are told about everything and everybody and, and, and basically, you know, everybody's station in, in, in this world. And, uh, you know, the whole, um, the whole thing with, with the, uh, with the champion, it's, it's just, it, I know I said before it's unique. It, it, it really is. And, and what, what really sold me after reading all of this and, and knowing I have to get the next issue, I thought the, um, the, the back matter with, with basically the IMs between Kurt yes. and Dewey and then, and, and then Jordy. I mean, and he just, he just wants to tell these people what this is about and who these characters are. And they're like, no, nah, I'm in. Don't worry about it. I just, I'm going to draw yeah. it. I'm going to color it. And I just, and I want to know, but it's like, but that's all. It's just, it, it was, uh, it, no, I, it's been a while since I read a new Kurt Music book. And, uh, and I mean, it's, I've been missing it. I, I'm a huge yeah. fan of the man, but, uh, this is, um, this all is the dialogues. Sparkled, sparkly dialogue. I love the word balloons. Great. Just I mean, it, yeah. everything about this. It is. Um, it did slip up once, though. I think. Yes. I think there was. There's, there's one, one balloon where it was pointing to someone else. Oh no, no, I'm not talking about that. I think oh, there I was. was. There was. I think there was an error in the judgment on the part of the creative team that will make the inevitable reveal less impactful than it could have been. Oh really? Remember. Yeah, remember when when Garda was talking about the the great champion and yeah. she was going going off and there was a mural or, or a, a panorama behind her and they they used one of her word balloons to cover up something. Yes, and I don't think they should have did that. I don't think they should have tipped their hand that early. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because I mean, you pretty much actually no, it was. Um, I would have never it was, seen it coming. It was an insect that that's covering the face. Okay, right. Well, some, but yes, yeah, I mean, she's something. talking about it, and the background is is green, and and yes, yeah, she's 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 basically painting the picture of of who the great champion, right, uh, right, is. But yeah, and and he's surrounded by a swarm of of bees or wasps or something. But yeah, one of them is is a big one, covering the champion's face. So, uh, but yeah, you pretty much know, you get an That's idea. Good. It be, it would be very silly if if. I mean, it could still swerve because it might be just a little bit too obvious, but, um, but I agree with you. Yeah. It would have been, it would have been nice to keep that under wraps for as long as possible. Right. But no, it's stellar, stellar first issue. Amazingly so. I'm hoping that the, the cachet, as Jason likes to say, of Kurt Busick's name translates into oversized hardcover when this thing gets collected. I mean, I know they'll go the route with the, the regular 
you know, get it on the ground floor trade paperback, but I want a special convention only oversized hardcover of this. <laughs> Ron, make it happen. <laughs> Just like East of West. Yes. And Deadly Class, right? And, and Cowl. Oh, cow. But they, they, they weren't oversized, but they were. Actually, I think, I think number six came out today, so I'm dying to read that. I did Deadly Class number nine. Uh, Oh, that was last week, wasn't it? Or last week, yeah, that was last week. Okay. We gotta go off on Deadly Class at length one of these episodes. I, I love that book. Well, I am sincerely glad you guys love Tooth and Claw. Uh oh. No, I'm glad you guys loved it. Did you, did you, did you enjoy it? I, I, put it this way, you 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 guys did it far better justice than I could have describing it. So kudos, you you did a great okay. job. <laughs> well, that's a thumb half up. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, no, I mean, I think the the best way to describe a book is when you're passionate about it. And you guys clearly were. That's great. Cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Let me All tell right. you who else is thankful for things, though. Oh, I love these. Yes, I love them. Our good buddy and. Newly, newly minted artist on the upcoming, uh, Phantom reboot, Mr. Brent Schoonover. Mm. Have you seen preview pages yes, from that? It looks phenomenal. Yes. Brent Thank said you. that he is thankful for too much, loving family that tolerates the demands of a freelance artist, the continued growth of his business and art, and the memories of loved ones, friends, and pets that left him this past year. Aww. Uh, Mr. Joey Nazari. Is thankful for a year without any family health issues. Nice. His ninja a, turtle loving niece. It's a good nice. And EOC for all the laughs. Ah. Mr. Vilcab, aka J Man, is thankful for the fact that the internet turned his solitary hobby into a shared passion. Hmm. Well said. Absolutely. Mr. John Boren is thankful for three beautiful children, one wonderful wife. And buttloads of pie. <laughs> <laughs> buttloads. Buttloads. Uh, our buddy, Mr. Mahmoud Asrar, who is not an American yet still is embracing the Thanksgiving mentality, oh is thankful for health and family. And happy belated birthday to young Adam. Absolutely. Uh, MTV's Mario. Another recent uh, sit-in with us. Oh, he hates that. <laughs> I know. I know. So I <laughs> TV's Mario. <laughs> Television's Mario. Hey. It's Mario. <laughs> <laughs> He's certainly not thankful for Love you. Uh, uh, he's love you, buddy. Now. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he's there. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. That's a matter, Mario. Where's your brother, Wario? <laughs> No, Wario's not the brother. Oh, he's not. Luigi's oh, well, no, is he? Isn't like Wario like their evil third brother? No, he's bad. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Is he a brother? No, I doubt. Brother? it. Come on. All right. Either Nintendo way. Would, either way. Yeah, you're good. Mario Muscar, our friend, is thankful for good friends, <laughs> excluding us. Good family, yeah. good bourbon, and good nice. And, he, he, and he, t- he flips the script a little bit. He said, "Before we continue, he has a question for us." What is our favorite Thanksgiving Day dish? Oh, that's easy. Well, I guess it's not as easy. Uh, I gotta go with sweet potatoes. I love the candied sweet potatoes. Okay. Diggity dab you dab? Know? Uh, honestly, it, it's probably stovetop stuffing. You are so much like my wife. I, well, seriously, there are, I, I, and, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I, no there are, um, 
I, I try to take the high road with, with a lot of, like I, I haven't had <laughs> a, 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 a Klondike or, or, or an ice cream sandwich because say what? I said you, I love when you have to compose yourself before you're about to say something I, like <laughs> Because it's, I, I can't there stand, goes, yes. like, if, if I see, if I see a, a packaging that says like chocolatey, chocolatey coating, I'm like, no, because it's just, that's not chocolate. If, so there are things that I, I definitely try to eat that are, are, are more pure or, or true. Um, but I will go, Absolutely bonkers over craft blue back blue box macaroni and cheese. Hell's yeah. Um, yeah, my kids I, too. Uh, I, I, I don't want to hear about, oh, we, we kept this bread stale for a week and we're throwing in walnuts and, and apples and all this other crap and making this great organic, uh, stuffing. I don't want none of that. I want my stovetop. I'll just, we, when we picked up some stovetop the other day, Renee <laughs> grabbed the box. She grabbed the box off the shelf and I said, oh, you're not having any this year. And she shot me this fucking look, and so we left with two boxes. So she's gonna at least get some stovetop. Damn, but I, <laughs> a box on that. Dude, I, I was just so I um. But no, <laughs> my side, it's it's not. You don't don't be just getting one box on the uh no. So it, yeah, it's my my dish for Thanksgiving would be uh would be stovetop. All right, go ahead, Vince. You you, you my wife lo- no I did my wife loves the stuffing. And you know what? Yes, I, I, I have to. <laughs> she loves this stuff. Yes, I, I have to laugh. I, I know um, people that differentiate between is it stuffing or is it dressing? Oh yeah. I get. I, I guess there's a. I, I guess there's a distinction between the two, right? Well, yeah. There's um, dopes and there's people that call it stuffing. I. Yes, that's right. That's right. I call it all shit because I cannot what? eat that stuff. Uh-huh. I can't. I can't. The stuffing, the stovetop, any, any. I just don't like it. Yeah. It gives you reflux. You or you like no, I don't. I, I don't like it. Wow. I don't. I, I, no. I'll eat the. I'll eat the whole damn bowl of of sweet potatoes. That's my. I love them. Especially with the sugar all over them, Renee got me potatoes. I never bought. I'll with cram them. them right up my ass. Wow, so this much. is a tough yeah. one for me because I loves me some Thanksgiving dinner. I love it, and you know, been been eating real healthy this past year. But I've been, I but I love the Thanksgiving dinner. I will eat my face off tomorrow, and uh, right off, I'm gonna be like, Vic, I'm gonna be like Vic Sage when you see if you saw me tomorrow. I'm gonna be like the question. My face is gonna be gone. It's gonna be somewhere else off my face. I want to see Vic. But uh my favorite Thanksgiving dish is <laughs> we got the giggles now. My favorite Thanksgiving dish is, believe it or not, uh corn and mashed potatoes mixed up. Oh, I love that. Because yes. my, 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 my uh my stepmother who we always, we always go to my dad and my stepmother's for Thanksgiving, she's a great cook. She cooks and again, we eat corn, we eat like corn here a lot, but it's usually like freshly boiled corn on the cob with some salt, but not, no butter or anything. She takes the canned corn, slathers that shit with butter. It's like, you know, it's basically like butter corn. And then yeah. throw some of that on a plate with the nice fresh mashed potatoes, which I never eat because we never have them here. Mix that together. It's heaven. Absolutely heaven. I uh, could eat three plates of just that. No turkey. Let nothing. me, let me ask. Real mashed potatoes or instant mashed oh, potatoes? Oh, real mashed potatoes. Come on. Oh, son, that's a Wait, nasty. What? No. No. It's got to be it's got to be the instant. I don't stuff. I don't mind the instant stuff, but if mashed potatoes is one of those things I could go either way, but there's definitely um your potato. I, I yes, definitely. Definitely am, but it's um 
And I mean, for time, we will usually, I mean, not for Thanksgiving, but yes, we have gone and, and done the instant mix, but, um, Renee would much rather have natural, real mashed potatoes. She knows I, what's up. And uh, I love mashed potatoes. I'll, um, it's, no, it's, it's, um, I'll that's one where I kind of have to go with I'll these. Just, I'll lick them. I'll just lick them. <laughs> We're having any mashed potatoes tomorrow. I'm bummed really? now. That's fucked up. It is. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go over to the woods. Speaking of things that are fucked up, yeah, me, Mr. Dan Pua. Yeah. Oh yeah, who should be forgiven oh, for this point? He's about to blaspheme, and I was, I was like, should I not read this? But I'm gonna read it just because I'm gonna put him on blast. He, he's, he's to be forgiven though, because a, he's a great guy, and and b, he's halfway across the world. So what does he know for fucking Thanksgiving? He has no idea, right? He claims to be thankful for the fact that Neesman's coming back to our show full time. Where was that said? <laughs> He's being facetious. Trying oh. funny. Ha ha. This is on the trying. My balls just clenched and they went right, <laughs> right. into my. Happy <laughs> Thanksgiving, Pua. We'll see you on uh-huh. the other side. Uh, Mr. Flacco Macho. And I don't know, Hi. I don't know his, his real name. So I'm going on his Twitter name here. He is, uh, thankful to wake up every day, respected and loved at a job that tries to make the world better. He, he's thankful for his new bros, meaning us. And his fine lady wow. Ray. So much love mm. to him. Uh it sounds like he has the exact same work environment that, that Vince has. So oh, hell. that's nice. It's hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh Ron Mr. Ron Richards, who um aka Big Time, aka COO of Image Comics, aka still waiting, um is thankful for <laughs> is thankful for uh <laughs> is thankful for New Order, which I believe is, is really? a musical group. Uh yeah, and you- pasta. So I can, co- nice. I can co-sign on the second part, not so much the first part. Um, our our buddy and current Superman artist, Mr. Aaron Cooter. Mm. Is Superman artist or action artist? Which one? Action. Action, action artist, and, I'm sorry. And Lobo cover artist. Yes. He is thankful for his wife, his family, coffee, his dogs, and nachos. And really, who isn't thankful for nachos? Oh, really? Yes. I'm thankful for his ability. Yes. Yeah. And we'll, we'll do one more and then we can, we can jump back to comic talk and come back to this. Uh, Mr. Daryl Wiseass Taylor, aka The Voice, aka the host of No Apologies and a trillion other podcasts, is thankful that Guardians of the Galaxy didn't have more singing and dancing. You dick. Yeah. Why you gotta bring us down like I know, that? I know. He hates us. You know, he no, no, see, he always gets on our asses whenever we, we give a realistic review of a DC book. Why you gotta do that? Well, he doesn't like he doesn't like like humor in his, in his. He doesn't see he doesn't like Guardians of the Galaxy, but but yet he'll 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 watch fucking Man of Steel all day long. So you that tells you right there how his whack his priorities. There's, there's a baseline. And well, it's not I think a good... he would say that he likes the reason he's tolerant of Man of Steel is that it's the the, the violent. He he doesn't like silliness when it comes to like films and comics. He doesn't like the Muppets. Who doesn't the like the Muppets? I know. It is, yeah, that's true. Hates that's true. Lego Movie. Uh, what? Yeah, it's it's not good. It's not good. We need. To so he has. Something. So basically, he has a small little pebble for a heart. He's like the Grinch before we got before it grows three times. Right. We got to roofie his ass and do some like Clockwork Orange thing where we bind him and and pull his eyes back and just make him watch like all fun stuff for like twenty four hours. Yeah, he'll be a new man. Well, and seeing as how everybody's got a shit ton of snow to shovel and food to eat, we can. I think we should keep on going. And um, I think so too. 
I guess we're, we're going to keep giving uh, Image some love because I want to shout out, and I'm not going to get too deep into it because my man Dap is going to be caught up. We can talk about it some more in next week or the week after. Uh, but I want to give a shout out to Lazarus. Oh, I didn't even start it. No, yet. that's okay. That's okay. Um, I'm in, I I, I've realized I'm incapable of reviewing a book like you are, where you go all in. So, so you never have to worry <laughs> about that. I really am. I don't. I, I can't. I don't know how you do it. Like you, you'll say like, "Oh, I'm not going to go too deep into this," and then you'll give like a perfect a later. book. Yeah, um, but I, I feel like I should give the people reason to read it. No, I hear you. But Lazarus is written by Mr. Greg Rucka, another former former uh, guest of the show. Um, collaborating with, uh, Mr., uh, um, Mr. Michael Lark, uh, with colors by a new colorist to me, at least. I don't know if you guys know them. Um, Santi Arcas. Hmm. So don't, I don't know if, if they're new to the business or not, but, but they're doing a great job on this book. Uh, we, I think we mentioned the book once or twice when it was first coming out, but yes. we haven't talked about it in a while. It's up to issue 13 just came out. This week, I think, or last I week. Think it was either. I think it was this week. Yeah, I think it's it may have been last. I think, week, I think it's. I think okay. it came out this week. So they're through thirteen. Um, two or three weeks ago, they just released the first beautiful oversized hardcover of this, which, which um, includes the first nine issues. And the the setup is it's a not too far distant future. Um. It's, 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 it's Rucka's sci-fi adventure extension of the idea of the one percenters. Um, not getting political here, but it is a truth that the, dis- the dispersion of wor- of wealth in this world is getting wider, right? The, 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 the uber wealthy are getting uber wealthier at the expense of many people. That, that is a fact, again, whether you're Republican, <laughs> Democrat, Libertarian, rich, poor, that is a fact. Um, you know, I'm a, as an investor and an economist, that, that is an indisputable fact. And, you know, Rucka's, I think, political leanings are relatively liberal and he's having some, some fun with this book, but he doesn't get preachy with it. But the premise is that not too far in the future, the world is very resource constrained. And it's ruled by a group of, I believe, 24 families. The idea of central governments is gone. Essentially, each family is in power because they control some precious resource, whether it be a particular area of land or the ability to generate food through through crops and genetic seeds or weaponry or infrastructure. Each of these families has by being industrious, industrial, and being indu- an industrialist has cornered some aspect of a world supply chain that is, um, absolutely, uh, necessary. And so literally these 24 families rule the world. And then there are serfs, which are people that have been deemed, uh, by virtue of their genetics or some defined skill set capable of some value to the family. And so they're elevated to serfdom and they serve the family in some capacity. And then everybody else on the earth is known as waste. And they're essentially, as you might think, they're just forgotten and left to their own devices. Most of them live in abject poverty. Most of them live in lawless areas and it's, it's the suck and it's hugely bifurcated. I mean, the families, there's maybe a hundred to 200 members of these families. There are probably a few million to maybe just a few hundred thousand serfs. And then billions of, of waste of Wastrel. But the book Lazarus is about the, the fact that, um, um, 
one of the families is the centerpiece of this of this book, and there every family for some reason it hasn't been defined. Every family has a protector that is a member of the family, and they are trained from birth to be the protector of the family, the sword of the family, essentially. Um, and we are following the the Lazarus families. Uh, I mean, we are family. We are following one of these Lazaruses. And she is genetically manipulated to the point where she's almost superhuman. This is a, it, it, this is a, a, a re- realistic world where there really aren't superpowers per se. But she has been not only trained in all types of combat and, and, um, military logistics and all that, but she's also got all kinds of chemicals in her body and genetic modifications and implants. And so she's as close to a superhuman as possible. She she can be stabbed or shot, and um, chemical endorphins will go off in her body to make her not feel the pain. Uh, she heals faster. She she's basically an absolute total badass. Um, and although she is a member of the family, she is treated uh, in some ways like a second class citizen. She she has to follow the orders of her father and the rest of the family um, in total compliance. She she can't question them. Um, she's not loved by the members of the family, although she craves that love. She's essentially, um, their ultimate tool, tool in, in this continued, uh, endeavor to maintain the ruling class. And we follow her adventures and you're introduced to her siblings, her father, as well as a number of the other families, some of which are allied with the Carlisles. That's the name of their family. Um, and some of which are very much at odds with the Carlisles. Um, we're introduced to a number of the other Lazarus uh, from the different families, and it's a fascinating thing. Um, you know, the underlying component of the book again is very much a a view of of what may not be that unrealistic a future, uh, where class warfare is is an embedded part of our society. But Rucka takes that spoonful of medicine and helps it go down with this awesome sugar, which is this action-packed quasi-sci-fi story involving the concept of this Lazarus and her abilities and what she's asked to do for the family. So, um, Michael Lark is, is never looked better. Uh, he, he, this is a perfect book for him because he is fantastic at drawing very realistic, um, figure work. And this is a very, uh, humanistic and action driven dialogue driven book. So I think it's perfect for him. It's a, it's a perfect match for him. And uh, it's been great. I, I'm through the first 11 issues. Got 12 and 13 here ready to read. But um, but I think Ruck is killing it. This is a book tailor-made for his type of storytelling. He gets you to care about a really strong female protagonist. Um, he ha- has he intermixes intrigue and 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 backstory and and political drama with action. And uh, it's a book I feel isn't getting the the hype that. That it should. I think this is right up there for me with Saga and East of West and, and right atop the very best of what Image is doing right now. And I think it deserves more attention than it seems to be getting. So. Well, I'm so glad you didn't go deep on this. Do you think I went deep? Yeah. No, uh, I, I, I set it up. I didn't talk about any actual plot right. that happens. That's all you do, right? That's yeah, going yeah, deep. Yeah. Set, you, you, you painted a pretty vivid picture, buddy. That's deep. No, it's tonight. awesome. It's awesome. And, um, I have um, the first two trades, which I'm assuming is up to issue Yeah, nine, it probably right? takes you through the same. So, yeah, I assume each yeah. hardcover is uh, two trades worth, so yeah. Yeah, got to read that. It looks great. You do. 
Yeah, I, and I'm sometimes uh, Ruck, uh not Rucka. Um, Lark is sometimes hit and miss with me. Sure, yeah, I, I, think, I get that. I think I think this is the hit part. Like I I did not like the Halo work at all. Oh, I didn't. I didn't read any of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but th- this looks beautiful, sparkly. Uh, it's it's, and he's another one of those guys where he's very realistic renderer, but his work never looks stiff to me. Yeah, I mean he's he's of the same school of of Gabriel. You know, we're, we're yeah, very yeah. realistic and, and, uh, and Insomni, although Somni, yeah. he, he can get, he can, Somni's a little less, a little softer than, but, 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 but they loose. deliver, they deliver because there's emotion and there's feeling. Yeah. It's not stiff. You're, you're right. That's, it's the, it's the stiffness that I think uh, some realistic artists and comics struggle with. Right. The lifelessness. Dynamite. The, uh, <clears throat> speaking of image. Ooh. Uh, Appearance I am. Say again? I said, are you hearing this, Ron? <laughs> Did you get the check? Really? Yeah. Um, uh, the, uh, issue seven of Trees came out. Um, and for the most part, throughout the first six issues, as, uh, we're, the readers were getting more, um, familiar, not even really familiar, but we're, we're getting to know the characters who live near or under these trees, these, these alien constructs that, that showed up one day. Um, and each issue has pretty much been about the individual characters and their settings. We've, we've, uh, focused either on a, uh, a station in, um, in the Arctic or we, um, we're, we're in a, uh, an Asian community or we're in Brazil or it, it but issue seven, Ellis and, uh, and, and Howard have, um, decided to mix everybody up. We're getting a few pages of each character in their setting. Um, as far as what I've read of issue seven, I'm, I'm about halfway through. Um, we haven't had everybody, we haven't had the different characters all meet yet. Everybody's still where they have always been, but this is the first issue that I can recall where um, we're getting uh, a couple of pages of uh, the Arctic station, a couple of pages of, um, of, of Brazil and, and so on. So that was uh is a nice change of pace and uh, it, it still looks amazing. Uh, Jason Howard isn't um, like the other books we were talking about before they're um there's really a lot on uh on each page the um it it re- it's sad for me to say that i really don't know the names of a lot of the characters in trees because i am so um caught up in the visuals and and the world that these characters are living in um but that just means i'm going to have to reread this and i plan to um this is the seventh issue. I, uh, I think they're supposed to be taking a break. I think, or, um, unless I read, I was reading it about something else, but, uh, probably around the beginning of the year, or especially for the 11 o'clock, because I will probably, um, shotgun the first six, seven issues, um, by the time that comes around. But it's, it's still, it, it's been a, I read five and six a while ago, um, and 
I have, I don't feel lost. It's still, uh, you know, I, I, I pick up the issue and I know pretty much exactly what happened in the last one I read. Uh, the characters are, um, they're getting fleshed out, but it's, it, it really is the trees are what, uh, I want to know more about. So, um, and we're getting there because there's uh, one of the scientists at the uh, in the Arctic station um, has kind of started to unravel the mystery a little bit. And if his calculations were correct, things would have been very bad. But because somebody else um, looked into it, uh, it looks like things are going to go a little better for them. But it still doesn't. Um, the trees may not be as 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 friendly or um uh passive as as maybe they appear to yeah it's uh they're they're um it may not bode well basically for the human race but we get we find out you know some of the um the 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 ecosystems what what when the trees landed um the people who could move who could afford to leave the places the areas where the trees were um those were the rich and, and, you know, when you talked about Lazarus, it made me think of this and it was, um, you know, so everybody who could leave has left and the people who were left living under or around the trees, um, the, uh, it, it's not martial law, but, uh, it's not as, um, uh, it's not as friendly. Um, people tend to be a little selfish and, uh, I guess even violent, but it's in that regard, it's been a little bit of a slow burn because you know, these are things that could have been kind of explained early on in the series, but because um I guess Ellis wanted you to get an idea as to who these characters were, uh we were kind of finding out what makes them tick before we find out what um what they see and what they experience. But I um the trees is another one where, you know, image again has uh knocked it out of the park for me and and if it um if it wasn't for the creative team i i don't know if if it would have been pulled off as well for me i don't know if i would have been as uh as into it as i am but i'm 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 happy that uh something like this is out there to uh give me something else to read that's not like tooth and claw because it isn't anything like that it it, it it's another one of those image books where it's Different than everything else they're putting out. Yeah. It's also a book on which I have to catch up. Well, you I'm, don't have I'm as little... many here as you do as Lazarus, but. Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit behind. It's true. But, uh, while we're on the subject of image, um, I'm going to say the S word. Uh, we were teased behind the scenes of, uh, big doings in the Spawn universe. And, uh, no, and, um, that, that Todd was gonna devote more of his attention to the, the ongoing and he was gonna bring it back to, to where it should be and Al Simmons was coming back and it's gonna be big, it's gonna be, you pay attention. And, and some names were, were bandied about and I got really excited and when the announcement finally, finally came out that, that, um, my cousin brought, Brian Wood would be taking over with the John Boy Myers on art. I was like, all right, it's a non-story now. The big, I did see John Boy Myers cover for Spawn Resurrection number one. 
I'm more excited now. Wow. Yeah. I, I have to say, I looked at the image and I said, yes. Okay. Well, to be fair, so I didn't want to, because I knew you were really, it was harsh in your groove when the news broke. I did hear him. I was next to his table at New York Comic Con, not speaking. I was, I forget who was next to him, but I was at their table. But I could hear him speaking to some people about the spawn uh, announcement. And at mm-hmm. the time, he said that he was extremely excited and he was going to make a big departure from the book as people had come to know it because to his mind, it should begin and end with, with Todd's vision for the book. And so he was going to go back to that. And he hoped that people were cool with that. So well, I, I'm cool with that. So, yeah. you know, and I, I, I would have told you then, but I, I figured at that point you wouldn't want to, you've been like, I can't have that. So maybe now you're more open to the idea that he's going to be nostalgic for what was. Okay. And, and total, um, disclosure. I think Brian Wood is a fine writer. I, I've liked a lot of his stuff when he gets below my age range, like with local, and uh demo and stuff that's where he loses me but D- dmz come on it's great stuff the, the man can clearly write a great story mm-hmm. um and i i hope he brings some of that to this but yes i am more excited now that that's a great cover image all right resurrection so well, that warms my heart that's good to know that because that book is important to you i i need to be optimistic because spawn is one of my yeah it's one of those books for me speaking of things that people need to be optimistic about was it Mr. Joey Cruz is thankful and optimistic about his good friends, good comics, and every other form of inspiration and encouragement the world has given him. Now, that's a hell of a Thanksgiving day. Thank you. Mm, It is. Our boy, Mr. Gabriel Hardman. Anyone want to take a guess what he's thankful for? (laughs) I have no idea. I didn't even know Gabriel had the capacity oh, to thank snap. something. <laughs> Bruno Premiani, no. Um, <laughs> uh, he is thankful for art. Yes, a, good a simple one. man with a simple statement. If I were he, I would be thankful for that wife, too. That is true. Mr. Declan Shalvey is thankful for having a day off. Simple pleasures. Nice. Irishmen often have simple pleasures. Mr. Ryan Stegman is thankful for his family. And apparently his pimped out new house. He didn't say that. I said that. He's very excited about it. He moved this week to a new home. So, oh, well deserved. Yes. Um, our, our friend and, and New York Comic Con, uh, after hours associate, Tony, aka Ezo Eyes, Professor Riptide, is, uh, is, is matching Mr. Laming, his buddy and friend of, of ours. Who they both are thankful for uh, the good fortune to still be working on very cool comics, friends at Comics Club, which I assume is a UK thing, and Eleven O'clock Comics, as well as great writers and most importantly great editors, letterers, and colorists that Mark gets to work with, as well as Twitter for keeping him company on all nighter deadline sessions. You know, we owe the two of those very fine gentlemen a huge debt because. Whenever an episode comes out, they are the first one on the first ones on the Twitter to say, "Hey, great episode, loved it." You guys, you know, keep it up. They're, they're always commenting, always there for it's us. It's true. They're they're amazing, and and we should really, you know, mention them. Absolutely, often. it's just a thank. No, that's for sure. Chris, uh, Mr. Comic Book DB himself, is thankful for podcasts that consistently maintain their high quality over the years, such as ourselves. Well, Very nice. Of we're him. out. No, he says it. Uh, Mr. Rob Liefeld is thankful for anyone. Anyone? 
Speed. <laughs> comics. <laughs> nice. I'm thankful for comics. Uh, Mr. Perkadan. What's that? <laughs> Perkadan. <laughs> Mr. Nick Dragata, uh, is thankful for people with a passion for the medium. And although he didn't say this, I'm sure he's also thankful for the Eagles, as am I. Having a hell of a year. Uh, the softer side of the Hardman household, Miss Karina Becco, there is thankful go. for modern medicine. Oh, oh no! What? What? My? Oh, just be, as as in general? I think or? she means in general. I'm hoping. Okay, good. Yes, yeah. I'm hoping. Uh, Mr. Juan Castro, excellent inker and no apologies uh, co-host, is thankful for great friends and scones. And who isn't that? I love, love the scones, man. <laughs> uh, Mr. Chris Campbell, another no apologies buddy and a, and a frequent roommate of ours at cons, is thankful first and foremost for a, he- a healthy family and the love of a good UPenn woman. Shout out to UPenn. UPenn, go Quakers. Respect. Uh, Mr. Whitehead, who I must say certainly gets the award for for most frequent retweeter of my of my tweets. Most tenacious. <laughs> most tenacious, exactly. <laughs> is thankful for his family, his friends, his health, and 11 o'clock comics because we never fail to do a show each week. I guess it's uh, quantity better than quality, I guess. That's <laughs> it. That's the, re- uh, that's the rest. Consistency is, is above. People often ask us, how do we do it? And I think the, the only thing I conclude is that it's consistency. The fact that we don't ever miss a week, I think, helps a lot. It does. Uh, Mr. Dave Jordan is thankful for the whole EOC community, which is hugely positive and supportive. And if you'd like to see what he's talking about, you can go to our forums at 11oclockcomics.com. Brand spanking new New brand spanking. Or you can go to our Facebook page, search for 11 O'Clock Comics, and you may join the page. We will be happy to let you come aboard and participate there if you'd rather be a Facebooker than a forumer. Uh, Mr. McDade. My fellow, my brother in jam piece is thankful for an incredibly understanding wife, which is very true because the last that we saw McDade, David and I were at Heroes Con, as was Jerry, and he spent the weekend running around getting artwork on his wife's birthday. Mm. Now, my wife's very understanding. She yeah. is cool with everything that we do. She's cool with my spending a lot of money on this stuff, spending a lot of time on this stuff. But I got to be honest, I don't think she would be too giddy about me. Spending the weekend getting art on her birthday. So McDade has a very understanding wife. And uh, his point is behind every fat man is a good woman. Testify. Testify. Mr. Govar, our most recent guest, is thankful for his family and that most of his friends are in good health and that he's able to do what he loves for a living. There you Amen. go. That's the Amen one. to that. Yep. That is a, a yep. rare thing. I try and tell my kids that all the time. It's a rare thing when you can make your living doing something that you're passionate about. Absolutely true. I have some more, but we can hold off on them if we've got more comics to talk about. Well, does David? He's been mum. Mum. <laughs> yes, yes, I haven't said boo. Uh, Alright, here's one from Dark Horse. What? Uh, oh, yes, I know what it is. Yes. Do it, do it. Uh, from Dark Horse Comics, it is... The Ghost Fleet. By... I haven't read it. Oh, well, then I won't. No, t- just... do, do it. No, do it. Do it. It's, it's awesome. my fault. I meant to read it, and then we had a power outage, and I forgot. It's my that fault. is true. Uh, this is uh, written by Donny Cates. Art by Daniel Warren Johnson. Colors by Lauren Affe. A-F-F-E. 
Letters by Lincoln Hawk. Uh, there's even a military advisor on this book, um, which I don't think the Expendables movies had. So you have the Ghost Fleet. Boy, Art, I forgot that. What? Daniel Warren Johnson. I forgot he did the art on this book. Yes. Yeah. That's what maybe, that's what, uh, me hone in on it. Um, it looks amazing. It's, uh, mm-hmm. we're introduced to, um, to Trace and Ward. They seem to be, um, uh, the riding along with, uh, with a big rig that's, uh, that's holding some cargo, but, uh, they are ambushed on the road and, um, there's some gore. I love the uh the choom and, and, and crunk sound effects when uh, the rig ends <laughs> up slamming into uh someone who's about to fire a missile launcher at them. Um but <laughs> you uh it's it, it's a lot of action. I mean it is uh it's it's crazy. There's um there's a ton of sound effects, the uh things kinda go awry. Or looks like Tony Stark with an eye patch. Yeah. He does. A little bit. Um, and he doesn't start off with an eye patch. Uh, no. he, he, um, he, he gets that the hard way. Um, which surprised me because before leading up to that, um, I, he, I'd be thankful for the eye patch considering what he went through before that. So, um, they seem to be pretty good buddies and, uh, even close with, um, uh, Trace is close with Ward's family. Uh, apparently, um, I guess Ward is, uh, not doing too well. Um, and, and to the effect where, uh, if, if an organ is failing, that his buddy would even, you know, test himself to be a match. Uh, but something goes wrong. The cargo gets, um, exposed. And that's when, um, that's when things kind of, go off the rails between these two friends. Um, he wasn't really supposed to see what was inside. And, uh, um, and we don't either, which kind of torqued me. Don't see, we don't see what's inside. But when, um, when, when Ward tells Trace that, uh, you know, they, um, they, they said they could fix his wife. They could, uh, um, I had to do, what I got to do. So, um, he basically takes his friend out of, uh, of commission, but, um, friend, friend in quotes and air quotes. Yes, definitely in quotes. Yeah. Uh, so basically this is, this is the setup. This is how the story begins. We're with these two friends and, um, and, and this, the cargo from this truck and how they, uh, they kind of, uh, break up and, the um the premise Tra- is really cool. Trace really isn't happy and and he basically is uh going to um uh he's 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 a dead man with nothing left to lose and and looks like he's going to go find his friend and uh the last page is an absolute killer cuz homie looks a little bit like Snake Plissken going um <laughs> screaming his eye, his good eye is glowing. You're right. You're right. Totally. Uh, that's a totally escape from New York. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with the Statue of Liberty in the background. Yeah. Uh, and basically the whole world's on fire. Um, or at least this area in New York. Um, and where to be continued. But it's, um, 
it looks like the next issue is two years, takes place two years after the, uh, Trace and Ward's truck plunged off the overpass and, uh, Ward runs the ghost fleet from a top secret bunker, uh, and Trace has reappeared. But, um, so it's, it's, it's a revenge story. Um, I guess at, at, at the heart of it, once you get to, um, past everything in this first issue but it it was uh it was a pretty nifty setup the art is great uh, and i'll um yeah it's it's you know between this and some of the um fire and stone books and and of course hellboy uh that i'm catching up on finally um you know dark horse is uh i'm not it used to be where I always remember Dark Horse and that they published comics, but there really weren't a lot of comics that they were publishing that I had to read or, or was looking forward to. But that uh, that has um, turned around a bit in uh, in recent months, uh, most of the year actually. So I'm uh, I you know what when 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 we talk about what we're thankful for it, like what everybody else has been like a lot of people have been saying tonight, it's definitely comics. But I just I am. I'm thankful that I get to be exposed to things that I would normally not bother with just because I'd be fine in my own little world. But there's, uh, there's too much crap out there, too much good crap to, to, to just kind of look past and, and yeah, no, check out Ghost Fleet is basically what I'm saying. Right. Like, like I, I was going to say the the premise of this thing is really cool where it goes back to the Battle of New Orleans. Yeah, have, all, yeah, and they're like, and, that, and and that's not where our story begins. It's almost like you don't need to worry about this. We're throwing it in here, but it's not like. Yeah, but it's it's it's. I think it sets up just it like definitely. what what is the ghost fleet? You know, it's yes, it it makes sense because Jackson's getting slapped around by the British, yep. and and one one of the crucial elements in in war is uh, supply lines. The the ammunition and the food must flow. If you if you can't arm your soldiers or feed them, your, your army is going to be piss poor and you're not going to win. Right. So, uh, Jackson, uh, pretty much at the end of his rope strikes up a deal with, uh, Jean Lafitte, who was a, a pirate who knew how to move stuff unseen. So he helps him set up these supply lines to get the, you know, the, the stuff in and that transfers over to the ghost fleet in that there are invisible avenues, uh, one can take to transport sensitive cargo and uh sensitive in the ghost fleets um the modern day ghost fleets case meaning uh possibly paranormal because the thing or whatever it was that was in that truck was not normal it, he, he wasn't transporting charmin or or like mangoes you know there was something in that truck <laughs> yeah. that that le- that left a trail and, uh, it, this is a, this has the potential to be more, I think, than just a comic series. I could see this as a movie or a series. The, 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 the setup has legs. Yeah. Don't you think? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the resolution between the two, uh, coworkers, I mean, it's something that, you know, they could, this could be preacher level extended narrative. This could go on for like 60, 70 issues. It, it's yeah. the, the, the potential's there. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. And like David said, it definitely looks like a dark horse book. The, the, uh, 
the style of rendering, the the line work, it's all inky and brushy, and there's scumble on some pages, and the, the line work is very expressive. You get your thicks and your thins. It's not a static pen line. It, it looks like a lot of Dark Horse books, which is very much a compliment. I, I thought this issue was great. I'm buying it in single issues. Nice. Wow. It's, that's crazy. Word. I'm buying more single issues now than I think I, I have in, at any time in the past. Yeah, I know. You were like, oh, I'm giving up singles. I'm done. It's too hard to wait for the damn trade, especially when you guys are like, oh, I should read this. I was like, no, nah, I'm waiting for the trade, man. Well, Yeah, because you never have sucks. digital copies or anything. I do, but you, I'll say it again. Digital to me is not real. Hmm. I could have I could have every digital copy of every comic published every week, and it just would seem like I have nothing to read. I, I got to have it in my hand. Right. It's silly, I know, but that's the way it is. It is. Mr. Stephen Chambers is thankful for the Sacramento Kings being worth a damn for the first time since the Bush administration, which is an NBA reference, which probably many people are like, huh? And he says, yeah, oh, I was like, oh, and you guys too. So he's thankful for us too. Mr. Larry B, Larry Biscuit, very hard. Ah, uh, yes. Says, uh, he's thankful for so much, including his two-year-old son and his daughter that will be born on December 30th. His son loves comics. So that's pretty awesome. Excellent. Uh, a kid's going to have it rough when your birthday's that close to Christmas. Talk about it. I hear I'm right there with him. I know. Yeah. December 19th. Um, Mr. Dudley, Mr. John Dudley is thankful for those quiet, solitary moments when a comic can transport his mind across time and space and having a place like the EOC forums to discuss those same experiences. Very nice. Aww, that's good. I like that. Uh, let's see here. Mr. John Powderly is, um, oh, hold on. Sorry. Uh, he, he, he compliments us, but he doesn't say what he's thankful for. So my bet on that. Um, all right, I think that's it, man. I think I covered us all. I think I covered all the thanks so far. Nice. Yeah, yeah. We got a lot of them. I appreciate everybody that took the time to chime in. Chime in. For real. You know what I'm thankful for? What? Discount comic book service. Oh, I guess it's the end. It is that time. Because it is, because they provide me with my books dirt cheap. Magic. I can order I can order more books because I use DCB service. Thankful for the Merklers. Yes, very thankful. They are absolutely the best. Get your books, get them cheap, get them delivered right to your door in the condition in which they receive them. That's the big thing. When I open up my box, I know every one of those issues is going to be pristine. When I go to the, the regular shop, I got to look through the stack to make sure, you know, this cover has a wrinkle, corners busted on this one. The stay, every, I have never received a book from DCBService.com that was not in pristine condition. It is so rough. That's, that's a that's a big thing. That's a big thing, dude. Uh, get your previews cheap dude. too. And, uh, make sure to check out those Valiant books. Like we said, the Valiant number one is coming out very soon. You can still tell your shop you want it. Uh, Paulo Rivera on the visuals with Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent writing it. And don't forget about the Valiant first look featuring a bunch of previews for a bunch of number ones coming out between January and April that you want to going to want to get in on this because the next wave of Valiant is going to be I think the best wave. Best wave. And by the way, and, before you do in your travels, the yeah. rule is you can do it in your travels, but you often say what you're thankful for. Okay, I'll do right. that. That's easy. That's easy. 
Oh, I am thankful for this book because it was sent to me by the creator. And his name is Daniel White. Nice. We know him. Yes, we know him as, that's not the only thing I'm thankful for. Uh, we, we know him as birds in boxes. Uh, do you, do yourself a favor if you're on the Facebooks, uh, make him your friend, Daniel White, because he is an extraordinary artist. This book is called 1976. It's subtitled New Rose. And it is, whew, it, it's mostly pantomime. There's very few words in it. It's a surreal journey. Um, I'm getting the notion that somebody's carrying a torch for a woman. It's somehow tied into the Damned uh, and their seminal 1977 album, Damn, Damn, Damned, which is where the New Rose subtitle comes from because there's a song on this album called New Rose uh, written by Brian James, which as were most of the songs on the album. Um the thing is decked out in process colors. For those who don't know, I'm talking magenta, cyan, and yellow. It, it's amazing. It's trippy. It's psychedelic. I I think I'm I'm not shitting you when I say this. I think every panel's really special. I'm going some some. There's like a, a 16 pa- panel grid on some of them. There's full page splashes. It, it's an amazing book, and it, it it's. It's so unique. I don't think I've read anything this year that that compares to this book. Hmm. It it's so great. Um, I see traces of Jim Starlin in it. It's it's very much in the Starlin multiverse in terms of the cosmic tri- triggers type type trippy stuff. Uh, it's it's amazing. It's it's um, there's there's a concept going on here, but as this is the only first the first part of a longer story, you only get a a, a bare glimpse of what's going on. There's a, it opens up with a latent image of a woman. Uh, it's it takes into account the process of making comics as well as the comics themselves. It's a really great issue. I I can't do it justice by by uh, uh, talking about it. You need to experience this yourself. Um, and I'm sure it, it, you can, if you hit Daniel up on the Facebooks or the, uh, the Twitter, he's birds and boxes on Twitter. Um, you can, you can get yourself a copy. I know, um, uh, I think Isotope has this and, and, um, Desert Island in, in, uh, Brooklyn has it. Uh, the, the, the indie shops are going to carry this thing. It's just amazing. 1976 by Daniel White, subtitled New Rose really grab this it, it's 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 a it's a fine fine piece of work you you will be moved in some way after you've read this you you have to be nice yeah and, and what else are you thankful for i'm thankful for you bastards mm. it's the truth dude i'm serious i'm thankful that i have somewhere to go every week to talk about comics with people that i actually want to be with oh How's that? So sweet. I am. That is sweet. Nice. Shut up. David, what you got? What you got? <laughs> David's doing the jerk, the jerk off thing on his end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no. Um, I have, uh, the second issue of a, uh, of a series that, that recently started. Uh, we talked about the first issue a few I weeks hope ago. So if, uh, if it's the second issue. 
It is, yes. Uh, well, it could be, you know, it could be Image United, and you know, it doesn't necessarily mean it. What, what was that book issues? that everyone raved about that first issue, and then the dude never did another issue? Um, game. Um, yes, it was an Image book. Um, oh, oh, uh, oh, 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 oh. Uh, yeah, the. Um, oh shit! Yes, because he 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 hurt himself, and then it it was. Uh, he hurt his hand, and it got optioned, right? And then yeah, right. But it was, was it multi it, multiplayer no. player something non. It was it was like a role play non player non player non player. Yeah, was that could it? have been. Sorry to yeah. take you off your track. I just oh, no, it was beautiful. It was a free yeah, beautiful was, book, and then yeah. <laughs> okay, it was like a Kickstarter. The uh, it was non player. Uh, it was non player because he put us in an okay. update last month about what happened. Oh so shit! There you go. Still he had, no second. He had, he had a kid started. apparently. Apparently he had a kid. He had hurt his hand, and then he had a kid. Sounds like a bunch of excuses being made. Yeah, I'm upset. Okay. It was an awesome it's... first issue though. Well, that's the thing. How does he follow it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry about that. We're, we keep getting dead. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Dap. The floor is yours, sir. Um, this is, uh, Men of Wrath number two. I'll just spit it out. So this way, yes. before we lose track again, Men of Wrath Shit. number two. I know. I'm sorry. No, I, was, okay. I was looking for something else that we may not have touched on yet. Uh, this, um, actually, I'm a little surprised based on the, uh, events in this issue. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's, you know, I mean, it, it's not enough to make me go. That's it. I'm done. I'm out for my arms in the air, but it's, uh, um, Considering the setup and the people involved, uh, and, and I, because Jason Aaron kind of, um, uh, gave us a personal touch in the back matter of the first issue, um, you know, maybe these are things that he has seen. And, and so it's, it may not be out of the realm of possibility. So I'm not just going to say that it's, um, over the top because it's in a comic book or anything, but where we get more of the story, it, it's, um, we get more of the son's story this time around. And, uh, it, it's it pretty much with, we, we, we get some, we get the son's story fleshed out, but it is also happening. Um, by the time we get to the, the end of the issue, we're right where we were, pretty much at the end of the first issue as far as um uh Mr. Rath where he was headed at the end of issue number 1 and who he went to go visit um so now we seem to all be uh timelines are all matching up and the third issue will probably not be very pretty or um or cordial and i can't imagine um it's perfect timing with this issue being thanksgiving and all and and here's a family that uh could really use some time together, but it's, uh, it, it's, um, no, it, it, I, is this the first Marvel book we're talking about tonight? Cause it's published by Icon. Yes. It's, um, it is, uh, it's, you know, it is, it's crazy and it's, it's violent. And, um, as someone who has only read the first scalp trade, I, I don't know, you know, where the comparisons to scalped may lie with this. I don't know if it, if it's kind of just, uh, a, um, a natural progression to Aaron's storytelling in, in, in that vein. Um, but it's a, uh, it's, it is not, uh, man, I, I, it's been a while since I, it's almost like saga in some ways as far as the language and, and the actions of some of the characters. But it's been a while since I've actually seen somebody say in a comic book, 
this feels so good. I'm going to come baby. And, 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 and it's just, it, it really got it. He, he had the ankles on his shoulders too, which I like. <laughs> he did too. I love that. That's, that's, that, that's me. And then, and then the, uh, and then <laughs> TMI. So, uh, well, when I'm, I mean, when I'm visiting ankles. you, that's how I do, but right. <laughs> so, um, but no, I, uh, she said you were good. As far mm. as the, as, as far as the, the first issue and whether or not, uh, I know that, uh, Jason and I were pretty much sold on something that the old man did. And then our boy Braxton was, was thinking the opposite that he wouldn't be that, that cold and heartless, but we don't get that mystery solved just yet. But it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not a book for the faint of heart. It's, it's very down to earth. I mean, we've talked about a lot of, um, fantastical books and, and, uh, and, out there ideas tonight. This, this isn't, this is very much, um, this could very much be in, in the real world, depending on where you live. Uh, and it's, it's another, um, change of pace, but it's not, you're, you're definitely going to need, you're probably going to need to read a Spider-Man or, or something to, to clean you up after this. It's not a, uh, it's not a, hey, you like comics? You might like this. No, I would not give this to somebody to say, I mean, yeah, it's neat to see that the medium could do something like this, but it's, it's not, uh, it, it's, it's not a story. It's, it's not a comic to read if, if you're like, you know, I got a few minutes to kill. Let me, let me find something light and, and no, don't, don't do this. But I, I still recommend it. It's, uh, if you like Aaron, if you like Garney, uh, you really, I don't want to say you can't go wrong with this. Just don't leave it out for the kids to see. Basically, don't if you're if you're at Jason's house, this one shouldn't be on the coffee table next to the Wally Wood book. Um, but it's it's. uh, (laughs) (laughs) You caught it! You caught it! You caught it! For for those of us who uh, out there who who don't know what David is talking about, when we went to Jason's house, he got beautiful, great room, and there's there's Lego catalogs and and magazines on the coffee table, and underneath them all is the friggin' Wally Wood uh, book from IDW with Titty and Cooter all over the place. (laughs) Well, the kids aren't looking at that, son. You don't know. You don't know. I would be. Well, no, he knows they're not. I'd be doing more than looking at it. It's true. But, uh, no, in your travels, read Men of Wrath. Uh, I am thankful for, um, me. Of course you, you know what? It's, I was thinking about it today while I was shoveling because, because uh, it is, oh, it is no. our thanks. No, it is our Thanksgiving Eve episode. So I'm like, well, we're probably going to do the whole, what are you thankful for guys? And I didn't know if we were going to do it throughout the episode. I mean, not with the tweets, but with each other, but this was all perfect. It worked out. Um, but it really is for me right now, I would say a technology because it keeps me plugged in with you two fools. Oh, um, yes. without it, it would not be, um, it would, this would just be once a, I mean, yeah, we have the technology with Skype and everything to do this, but beyond that, I mean, the Facebook messenger pretty much is an extension of the show for us. Yes. And, and, uh, you know, what we, what we talk about, what we're coming up with, um, how we felt about the previous episode and, and what we didn't touch on and, and what we're going to be talking about next week. And, um, but it, 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 you know, it gives us, I mean, in, if I really want to lay it out, it's probably mostly Facebook that I'm thankful for because if, if what, uh, I get up in the morning, I get to work, I check in with these guys and then we'll kind of, um, 
basically just vent to one another. We'll hear about people munching on their food in the cubicle next door. <laughs> we'll hear about, you know, uh, what the markets are doing. We'll hear about whether or not I got some fool who needs a computer right now when it wasn't ordered and I don't have one. It's, you know, it's just, it's, we'll, we'll do the venting thing. We'll talk about what everybody else is up to, how the family's doing, who's got a concussion. We'll just, we'll, we'll get into all of it. And, um, if it wasn't for tech, I really wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't feel as connected or know as much about YouTube dudes and, and not just YouTube, but I mean, Mario with the texting and, and of course, Facebook and, and, and my boy Derek, there's just because of, and hell, I, I text with my niece early this morning and that, that, that was a trip because that never happened. So it really is, I'm, I'm thankful for the advancements in, in the technology we've been having. Nice. It is really good times. No question. Uh, <clears throat> on the Facebook. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Uh, well, uh, it's, it's always hard to go third in this case, uh, because I too am thankful for you, Yahoos. Uh, in all seriousness, um, you know, we've been at this seven freaking years now, which is pretty crazy. Actually. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, and you know, look, you two have become two of my very best friends in the world. Um, definitely when it comes to, like you were saying, David, like day-to-day stuff, you guys know way more about my life than anybody else, aside from my wife perhaps, but but you guys know all the shit that goes on every day, good, bad, and different. And uh, it, it, it makes it easier. It makes it easier to uh, to have uh, folks that you can just, just uh, be yourself with and vent or joke or complain or be happy without any uh, judgment. Or any, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know, it's just great. So love you guys both for that. And, uh, uh, also very, very thankful that, uh, I have, uh, an, an amazing wife, you know, as, as, <clears throat> as we get older and I'm approaching 40 very quickly, uh, I, I am sadly aware of the fact that lots of people don't have great relationships. You know, you, I think when you, when you, you get into a relationship or you get married, you think, um, perhaps myopically that everybody is going to, uh, have these lifelong relationships that are only going to get stronger as time goes on. And, and you know, the truth is it's not that case. Um, unfortunately, lots of friends and family that we probably all know don't have relationships that they feel great about. And that bums me out, but, but I'm, I'm thrilled to say that, uh, and just crazy fortunate to not be in that position. Um, and, and I love my three kids to death. I'm mad thankful for them because they, they keep me in check and they, uh, they, they make me smile every day. So, uh, huge love for them and, uh, definitely don't want to leave out the fact that I am extremely thankful, particularly in, in this day and age to have, uh, uh, the means to provide for my family and also the means to allow me to, uh, enjoy this ridiculous hobby that, um, can be superfluous and super expensive at times, but, uh, but it, but, but I'm, I'm thrilled that I can, I can partake in it without any, without any qualms. So. Thank the uh, finance gods for that. <laughs> um, so in your travels, I want to shout out one more image book because just it turned into an image 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 week, even though we didn't plan for it that way. And uh, that is God Hates Astronauts, number three. Nice. Uh, our good buddy, Mr. Ryan Brown, is killing it with this book. Issue three, I think came out two weeks ago, maybe two or three weeks ago. Um it's uh it's 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 his brainchild. He he draws it. 
He handles the vast majority of it. He writes it. It is colored by Mr. Jordan Boyd. It is lettered by Mr. Chris Crank. Um, but ultimately, this is Ryan's Ryan's baby. And it's so funny. It's so genuinely funny. And And Ryan looks at the world and he looks at storytelling in a way that is vastly different than most other people that write comics. Um, he's just a funny dude. I don't know. There's just, there's an innate, there's an innate ability to be humorous that he has that, that a lot of people do not. And, uh, you know, you, it's like, you know, on the third page when, 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 you know, King Tiger eating a cheeseburger takes a battle axe to the owl astronaut and it says, you know, apology accepted. Uh, It's a little thing, but it's, it's hilarious. (laughs) And then, and then he's got the little ghost guy covering his eyes and he's got a little thing where the, the, the owl guy is shitting his pants and says pants shit as a sound effect. I mean, little things like that. It's silly. It's sophomoric, but it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's also, it's also very difficult to verbalize it. It is. But you know, if you think about it, it's, if you juxtapose this against our discussion with Pax Americana, you know, it, it's just, this book is just funny. Yeah. It's enjoyable. Yep. I mean, every page makes me smile. You get, you definitely get the reach around from, um, God hates astronauts, but it's, it's on a level that one, when, when you, like someone trying to tell another person what makes God hates astronauts really special will always fail. You'll all, you can never do justice to the, 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 the merriment on those pages. It's something you need to feel. No, you you're totally to right. And feel like like the, the rhino waking up and he's like, OMG, OMG, OMG. And then he's running around and he's nude. So there's a black square that says rhino dong on it covering his junk the whole time. <laughs> like it's just hilarious, but you need to see it. Like it doesn't sound yeah. that funny, but when you see it, it's ridiculous. Yes. Um, and, and I don't, I, I assume Ryan knows this, but I am the proud owner of the first page of this issue. Wow. Uh, tangents and everything. And, uh, yeah, so God hates astronauts. It's, I, I, I think it's selling well. I, I hope it's selling well, but, but it's, it's just such a funny book and it's, it's, um, it, it, I, there are so many comics out there and, and, and we said several times in this week and, and recent weeks about searching for books that are different than anything else that we come across. And this certainly fits that bill. Uh, yeah. and I just, I, I hope it's getting the love that it deserves because it is freaking great. Yeah, we loved, um, you can just go back in the archives and experience it for yourself. We absolutely loved the GHA that eventually became the Kickstarter book, which, which eventually started this whole ball rolling. I think the image series is a thousand times better than the, the Kickstarter book. And that, and that book is great. So just take it from there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's great stuff. All right. I'm thankful for Godzilla. Too, <laughs> the movie? Uh, we, all of it. What, did you all see the recent movie? I forget. Yeah, love it. I have it sitting here. It's worth, I've heard a lot of people say he's only in it for eight minutes though. I was just gonna say eight, right? Yeah. It's true, it's true. But is it okay? I love okay. it, yeah. I think, I think it's, it's, I, I would obviously would have, is Ghidorah more. in it? Not this one. What does that mean? There's a possibility he will be in, uh, the second one. That's your all time fave villain, right? No. Oh. Smog monster. Hedora. Wait, didn't I just say that? You said Ghidorah. No, That's wait. The, Ghidorah. The, is that hold the on. three-headed? Wait, what's the, wait, wait, Okay, now, now I'm showing my ignorance. Isn't that the smog, the smog monster's name is not Ghidorah? No, Hedora no. is oh. the smog monster. Ghidorah is the three, uh, headed, uh, golden creature with the wings. Gotcha. The, so, um, so Hedora with an H is different than Ghidorah with a yes. G. 
Yeah, G H I D O R A H. I just think that's smog monster. That's the only way. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, why I, 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 I usually say Dora, but it's usually right. I usually so you're all about the stuff. Gotcha. Uh, number one, baby. But yeah, no, I thought it was great. I would have included more scenes of devastation or carnage and just more Godzilla, but I'm sure we're gonna get that in the second one. So that's fine. I'm I'm in. Yeah. Um, thank you. Here's a, here's a, a note of thanks. Thank you for being here with us every single damn week. We really appreciate it. We, we love doing this. Um, we would still do it even if you didn't listen, but you just make it better. So, so thank you for being here and, uh, come join us next week. Same place, same location you found this and we will be waiting for you with the big old cup of Christmas cheer because it's getting close, babies, and you got to come back. It's true. Yeah, and we love you. David loves you so much. He's thankful mm-hmm. for you every day. He tells me. Thank get you. that Black Friday yes. shopping on because deals are there to be had. I know. I'm looking for some infinity. I want to play the Hulk. Do you? Yeah, yes. My kids have got I, I, zero interest in that whole thing. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, My, Vinny came up to me and he said, Dad, do you realize that I can team up the Hulk with Spider-Man? I said, really? I said, yeah. <laughs> and, and if I wanted to... I can throw, oh, I don't know, Big Hero 6 in. I could do, and he's going through the whole list of all the figures they make. I said, well, what about the, like, the Disney proper characters, like, like the Frozen characters? He said, ah, they're all right. They're okay. He's all about the Marvel. Hmm. Yep. He goes, I can get Groot and play Groot. So I want this game. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a money pit, just like, um, Skylanders, but at least I'll be able, when, when the dust settles, I'll be able to take these figures, put them on the shelf and say, I got my Hulk right there. There you go. And my, and my Spider-Man. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, join us next week. We love you, everybody. And uh, David loves you so much. Read Secret Wars and Secret Wars 2 and all the tie-ins. <laughs> yes, all of them, because we're going to go big time. Because if you all hadn't noticed, we talked a lot of Marvel last week. Some of you all loved it. Some of you all gave a shit. This Whatever. week we said no Marvel, no Marvel, but we're going to go in deep on the Secret Wars joint. Deep. Yeah, multi-episode deep. Like You're going to be hearing about it for years. Like we're going to have the definitive treatise on all things Secret Wars. As it should be, right? Yes. Nice. If I had Good hair luck. on my head, I'd still have to have, I'd have a jerry curl. <laughs> <laughs> Secret Wars 1 gets a 10. 2? Uh, I don't know. I'm to reread 2, There's... though, because I haven't read 2 in, I, I mean, since the late Same 80s. Same here. I haven't read it since it came yeah, out. And, yeah, and 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 I just remember all the tie-ins, and I was definitely major into that whole thing when it happened. I I, I look for to this day. I think that for some reason I have huge nostalgia for the Beyonder. I, I think he's the best, not the best, but he's one of my favorite bad guys of all time. And I've I've been desperate for him to come back in the comics because everybody comes back. So if Hickman doesn't bring the Beyonder into this, I will be crushed. Oh, he will. He will. He brought it into um, the what was that Avengers? No, that, that was um, that Illuminati. Was Bendis. That was Bendis and uh, yeah. Reed. Oh, Bendis that's right. Bend, yeah. My bad. Mm-hmm. But it I'm was sure primarily a flashback. It's not like he, he reappeared. But wasn't the Beyonder really just Jim Shooter? Wasn't the Beyonder supposed to be Jim Shooter? What speaking of what's interesting, and I'm I'm reading the first issue today, and. The convers the, the dialogue is so like I Doctor Octopus and I Crusher Creel. It's it's so I you read it as if you know Absorbing Man is is mocking Doc Ock when he's talking back to him, but it's 
It's dialogue that would only work in a comic book. It would sound ridiculous if you said it out loud. But as I'm reading it, it's something that I could hear in a movie. Like, this is how you would use these characters to introduce themselves and get an idea as to who is who in a movie. So Shooter had some things going for him when he was writing Secret Wars. There were some things that obviously weren't like the uh with with everybody on the avengers getting on the x-men's ass because magneto's hanging out with them and and of course you know prejudging and whatnot but uh it's i mean i'm i am stoked i've i have read secret wars more often than secret wars 2 as we just mentioned i don't i haven't read that since it came out and and that was one of the ones that that was an event where i did buy tie-ins for books that I wasn't normally reading. Even though I was buying most of the Marvel stuff, I was getting all three Spidey books. I was getting X-Men and Fantastic Four. Um, but, you know, if, if I, uh, if I wasn't buying a comic book at that time, I probably was buying the Secret Wars 2 tie-in. Um, but it was, think- you know, I mean, I'm looking at some of the covers and I mean, you know, when Ron Friends was drawing Amazing Spider-Man, I mean, even if, even though Secret Wars two might not knock my socks off, re feeling again what I was feeling when I was reading those comics when they were coming out, that's going to be the fun. Yes, you're you're exactly right. Smart man, David A. Price. Let's not get carried away. It's it's the truth. I'm thankful uh, verbally. There's no hyperbole coming out of this mouth. Goodbye, people. We love you. See you next week. Go have a great Thanksgiving. Be safe. Yeah. Watch yourself on the roads, and uh, don't eat too much. And no, eat some eat, turkey. Eat. And... All right, eat some turkey and take a nap. If you like Vince, you're gonna work it off that night, no doubt. Uh, bye. Peace. Bye. We love you.